You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Huh? Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? We kicked its ass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, this week, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. To help me talk about it, I am happy to be joined once again by the host of the Cobwebs podcast and the Cobwebs YouTube channel, Daniel Epler. Daniel, how you doing? Hey, Matt, I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. The MCU has been such a part of my life for the past 15 years. And I've never podcasted about it. So this is a first and I'm super excited. Wow. I did not realize that you never podcasted about it before. That's cool. And when you said 15 years, uh, that that made me feel very old all of a sudden. I was like, wait, 15 years. Oh, God. Iron Man came out five years ago, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's um, insane. I remember going to see Iron Man the theater, having no hopes for it at all. Did not think it was going to be good. And was so blown away by it. And here we are 15 years later. It's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, yes, I'm very excited um, because also I think you mentioned this to me a while ago, like two or three months ago, where you were like, hey, would you want a podcast on this movie? And I said, sure, um, which sometimes <laughs> could be a gamble on a new movie and you plan that far in advance i mean you can ask me and adam talking about the mortal Kombat from two years ago <laughs> although we had a great time <laughs> we had a great time the movie we saw the trailer we're like oh that looks fun let's do a podcast and then uh it didn't turn out super great but it was a fun conversation but uh i i don't want to say too much we're gonna get to this one i think it's gonna pay off pretty well so <laughs> I, I mean i would argue the mortal Kombat one paid off too well that's not for the movie but for the podcast <laughs> that's true the movie paid off this time that's what i'll say <laughs> I, think, I think we're gonna pay it off with the podcast too this time i think I, i'm very excited about this conversation um but before we get into all that because there's a lot to talk about uh <laughs> i've taken more notes for this than i've taken in forever for any episode uh and it might be more just because it's a new movie and i'm not very familiar with it and i like left the theater and like started like frantically <laughs> writing things down and not forget them <laughs> but um but yeah i have a lot to talk about so um good good i'm glad yeah. you did because i i usually take notes while i'm watching the movie and of course just seeing it once in theaters i didn't do that so i i have some stuff that i jot down i have a lot in my head and such but um i'm glad you kind of have some something guiding you on paper because i only have a little bit <laughs> yeah i was not gonna be the guy that like took notes in the movie theater <laughs> like i know um, critics doing that and now nah, i'm not gonna do that yeah i mean i critics i feel like they kind of have to and and depending on who like, i know they would usually be at like critic screenings early screenings i mean it's a little more expected you know but i'm at a general <laughs> screening i don't want to be the guys like i have a podcast everybody i need these notes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't look at me. Although the lady the row in front of me uh, was playing Pokemon Go for about half the movie. <laughs> wait, so... wait, wait, wait. Pokemon Go is still, is that still a thing? <laughs> that was my first thought when I saw her doing it. I was like, 
holy shit is that person played pokemon go <laughs> and i and it, it was like it wasn't like how dare they play a game in the movie theater it was like that game still going <laughs> because, <laughs> i mean that was a big thing like seven years ago right but i just thought it kind of had uh petered off but man she played it for a long time but luckily it was not uh as distracting as i'm making it sound <laughs> but it was i just happened to notice it and she just kept going but um I wasn't going to be that person who's on their phone the whole movie. <laughs> so um, that was fun. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> before Guardians of the Galaxy 3 talk, uh, I know you love this part. I love this part of the show. Talking about things we've seen lately. So what uh, what have you seen lately you want to talk about? Okay, so uh, I want to preface my list of things that I want to talk about with the fact that I got an email recently to the Cobwebs podcast email from like a listener slash viewer. And the email was kind of a strange mix of compliments and insults. And it said, I love that you love crap. So I'm titling my What Have You Seen Lately portion, Daniel Loves Crap, because that's <laughs> that's kind of what we're going to do today. Um, so the oh, wow. first thing I watched is Renfield, okay, which I know you've talked <laughs> about before, but I don't, I don't mind bringing it up again, because I'm going to say like the opposite of everything that you've ever said about it. That's fair. I really like this movie. I, I just, I can see the problems. I can see why people wouldn't like it. But oh my God, did I shove popcorn in my face and have a wonderful time watching this. Um, I can't say enough how much I love Nicolas Cage's Dracula. I think he's now like one of the great Draculas. I love that this this is very much a comedy. It's a vampire comedy. There are actually a lot of bit good vampire comedies. And I think this is another one. But he's like, he's so over the top, but he's also taking it seriously. And he's so much fun to watch. And I think like hearing reactions about this movie from people like you that he's not in the movie very much kind of set my expectations well because I went into it expecting him to like hardly be in the movie and was very pleasantly surprised with how much he was in the movie. And I love Nicholas Holt in this movie. I think like it's so funny that Nicholas Holt started his career working with Hugh Grant in About a Boy when he was a kid. And yeah. I feel like Nicholas Holt has become Hugh Grant because he's like <laughs> giving an exact Hugh Grant performance in this movie, which I found wildly entertaining. And, and I also thought the movie, while being a very silly, goofy, over-the-top movie with really fun, bloody action scenes, found a way to kind of organically get a message in there about how to stand up for yourself and get out of toxic relationships that you're afraid to get out of. Using the Dracula Renfield story to do that, I thought was a good idea. And it was a message that again, very organically kind of wove through the movie and paid off by the end. So I, I just had a wonderful time. I thought the action was fun. I loved Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Holt. And, and I don't have a big problem with Aquafina like a lot of people do. So I, I kind of loved it. I'm, I'm a Renfield fan. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's fine. I, I don't know what to <laughs> say because I don't, I don't, I don't want to like be, you know, we already, I made my points like a week or two ago, whenever that episode dropped with Preston, I believe. And, uh, um, Nicholas Holt, innocent. I, you know, good. I wish I, I liked him in the movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage loved him. I, I, I don't know. It felt like he wasn't in the movie much to me. I don't know. Maybe I expected him to be in the movie more, and you expected the movie less. And maybe it, yeah, like because I, I don't, I don't have like the. I wish someone would clock it how much is in the movie. It feels like it. I don't. know. It felt like less than like twenty minutes to me or something. I don't know. It just felt like he just wasn't in there much. I, I really wanted him in the movie more. And I didn't want the other stuff they were doing. Like, I really didn't want the whole um, Aquafina subplot, venturing your dad with the cops and uh, John Raphael from Parks and Rec, who I like. I think he's funny, Ben Schwartz. But I just thought he was like miscast as this like drug dealer guy. 
I, well, he's he's the <laughs> entitled spoiled son of a drug dealer. Oh yeah, but I don't know. It just <laughs> like I don't know. I I just it that stuff that all of that stuff just didn't work for me, and I wish that I was in the Nicholas Holt Nick Cage Renfield movie, like with just them. Like I didn't need the other stuff. So I don't know. I I uh, I am glad you liked. It. I feel people think I say that and I'm like disingenuous. No, like I'm no, genuinely. Okay, I I do mean I'm glad someone likes a movie. Like I don't want to be one be miserable with me when I don't like a movie. So um, I was surprised. I really thought because because I think the fact that me, Hayden and Ken all didn't like it, and I feel like we have the three of us have very different tastes. And I thought you'd be somewhere in there. I just thought you would not like it. So I was kind. I mean, pleasantly surprised. Surprised you did like it. So I don't know. I just had a bad. Feeling. I was like, I don't think Daniel's gonna like this if he sees it. But I mean, that's that's glad that's good you enjoyed it. I'm glad you had a good time. Cause I I mean, it does seem like the kind of movie I could have fun with under a different set of circumstances, but it was like one of those situations where almost everything was rubbing me the wrong way in the sure. movie. So yeah, I don't I don't know. But uh a lot of people are enjoying it. I keep seeing uh more people post about it in a letterbox and um I'm on the I think I'm in the minority on not liking the movie. So Yeah, it just hit digital and that's how I watched it because I never made it out to the theater for it. Oh right. And it feels like it just came out because like nobody saw it in theaters except like you and Hayden and Ken. <laughs> and uh and now that it hit digital, suddenly everybody's talking about it. And I was scrolling through letterbox ratings from people I follow and it is mostly positive. Yeah. Um, so it does yep. seem like people are overall enjoying it. So I guess I'm not, maybe it's not more crap that Daniel loves. I'm not sure <laughs> if I were to criticize it, it's kind of funny how kind of sloppily it sets everything up at the beginning with narration where he says like, oh, by the way, if I eat bugs, I get superpowers. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I actually had a bad feeling about the movie at the beginning, despite all the Dracula 31 recreation, which is fun. I felt like it started out real rough. But it leveled out for me pretty quick, and then I was just enjoying it the whole way through. Oh yeah, I think there's a lot of that narration's doing a lot of heavy lifting. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the bug thing was like what? I, probably one of my least uh things I would complain about is him eating bugs and getting superpowers. Honestly, it's like, but yeah, that is weird. I love the the thirty one Dracula recreation stuff. It kind of like it almost set me up for something that too good that it never delivered on it was like oh no come back i want more of that so well i mean uh, i don't really want the movie to just recreate well another yeah. movie the entire time <laughs> I, th okay. and I thought like the look of the movie was really good i liked all the the purple and the red and the pink all the bright garish lighting i thought was a unique look for it well you know i love neon lighting we just we established that in your jaws but <laughs> i know i was watching and i was like matt doesn't like this it's got like John Wick style everywhere. action and blood and neon lighting. <laughs> What's the problem? That's true. It should. I thought that too afterwards. Like, this is kind of should be up my alley in a way, but I don't know. It was one of those things where it was just like everything was working against it. I, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like a movie gets on your bad side right off the bat and then it never recovers and everything becomes like a nitpick sometimes. I feel like that kind of happened with me sure. and Renfield where it's like got off on the wrong foot and never recovered. <laughs> so. You know, it is what it is, but I'm glad I am glad you enjoyed it because I really didn't know what your reaction would be. I really thought it'd be negative. So the fact that it's positive is uh, a pleasant surprise. So there you go. Well, good. I'm glad I could surprise you pleasantly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should I move? I'll, I'll move on to the next one if that's cool. Um, Sorry, I was drinking water. I apologize. <laughs> I oh, it's all good. Like, what else you got? Um, but yeah, not, we I... don't have video this time, so I can't see what oh, you're that's doing. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the next installment in Daniel Loves Crap 
is <laughs> Primal Rage from 1988, yes, which just uh-huh. recently got a Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Um, I was thinking about buying it in the upcoming Vinegar Syndrome sale, but it just popped up on Shutter. So I was like, hey, cool. I'll just watch it here. So that's where I saw it. And, uh, and I went into this movie expecting it was a killer baboon movie. I feel like that's how everybody sells it. Mm-hmm. That is not what the movie is at all. <laughs> it starts out with a baboon, but the baboon is really just um, what causes or kicks off a rage virus. So it's a rage virus in the way of like the crazies or 28 days later, something like that. But it takes place on a college campus on, in Florida. Um, I, I tend to like college set movies. And I thought the characters that this movie follows were really likable. Like there's a main couple that you follow and I wouldn't say they're interesting, but they're very charming and adorable together. And I really enjoyed following them through the movie. Uh, the movie has a really good sense of humor to it where it's almost, almost a horror comedy, but just not quite, but it just has kind of a winky humor to, to what's going on throughout, even though the horror is taken pretty seriously. And then at a certain point in the movie, somebody mentions the Halloween dance. And I like sat up in my seat. I was like, wait, what? The Halloween dance? This is a Halloween movie? And uh, and it does get to a Halloween dance. And dear God, it is one of the greatest Halloween parties I've ever seen in a movie. It spends and a ridiculous amount of time just like showing off all of the incredibly extravagant costumes at this party. Like the movie just goes on and on showing you just all the cool Halloween shit going on there. And it was awesome. Like, I can't believe this isn't a Halloween classic, but I think it's because it's not really advertised as one. And, um, and I loved the movie. Like I thought it was, I was kept like waiting for it to get boring or slow down or kind of jump the shark. And it just never did for me. I thought it was a total blast. And it, even when you like it, like a lot of movies, when you think the horror is over, it has this one like jump, jump scare at the end, but that scare is so entertaining and over the top. It's just a great time. I loved primal rage. Well, I can take this off my list of things I've seen because I also watch Primal Rage <laughs> because I had been curious about it since it got announced for uh, for Vinegar Syndrome. And I saw you really liked it. And I was like, well, I got to watch Primal Rage. <laughs> and uh, I think I liked it a little less than you did, but I still really enjoyed it. Like, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a great movie. I did love that Halloween. Man, when I got to the Halloween party part at the end, I was like, oh, my God. Well, no wonder Daniel loves this. <laughs> like, I know you're a sucker for a good Halloween party. And I am. Uh, it's a good one. The costumes are really good. I love it's funny you said like some people are likable. It has, but it, it they are, but then it has three of the most unlikable guys I've ever seen in anything. Oh they are, my god, that part is so great. They, <laughs> they are uh like a band of like rapists or so they are just the more the worst guys and they uh they are awful. I mean they get I mean the spoilers, they, <laughs> they kind of get what's coming to them, but they uh they wear these uh, kind of cool-looking skeleton costumes, like, near the end for the Halloween party, um, which kind of pays off with, I won't spoil it, with the finale and, like, just in those costumes, things that happen um, to them and <laughs> all this stuff. Um, I lost my mind when, uh, again, small spoilers, the monkey or baboon escapes from the lab and <laughs> is hit by a car. I feel, I feel bad. That sounds mean saying it out loud, but it's so ridiculous looking because he like puts his arms up in the air for a long time and this car is just barreling toward him and then he 
like flip, flip a puppet off the hood or something. I don't know what they did, but it's like, it's like, what the hell is happening? And yeah, I thought it was a killer baboon movie too, but it is yeah, this like rage virus uh, movie because the baboon bites somebody. And then anytime he like that guy gets infected, he scratches somebody or uh, bites someone. Then it just starts spreading throughout the campus. And uh, it's a good premise. I mean, kind of an insane premise, but it's like it has that weird thing, too, where because um, I saw it was an Italian director, but it's an American production like in Florida. So I think there's <laughs> what the script has some weird lines that kind of sound kind of like odd, I think, because uh it's american actors delivering these maybe like broken english or something um there's some weird stuff like that but i always find that like weirdly charming in a way <laughs> like these weird these weirdly phrased lines um yeah it reminded me a lot of nightmare beach and that it's like kind of yes. an italian movie but it's pretty <laughs> convincing and being an american movie they're yes. pretty similar I think. I think it's the same guy who might have written both there's some oh, connection. that would make sense. Okay. Oh, yeah. he The director has a story by credit on Nightmare Beach. So. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> crazy. Go. Another fun movie. But yeah, Primal Rage is a good time. I mean, it is not to back to your Daniel Loves Crap thing, but it's kind of <laughs> it's it's good. I won't get crap. It's good schlock. It's very good schlock. I, uh, I, I Did you say that recently somewhere where you're like, I appreciate well-made schlock? Yeah, we talked about that on the Prophecy podcast where I, I kind of feel like my sweet spot of movies is like well-made schlock. I love <laughs> yeah. that. So I feel like maybe that person, unless the email came before that episode, maybe they're referencing that. I don't know. But uh, that, uh, yeah, this is definitely kind of fun schlock. It is never boring. I agree with you on that. It is never boring because there's always something crazy happening. Um, I thought it was like, <laughs> looked pretty good. Like, not like I, I well shot. There's a scene where the guy's like running through the, uh, the gym and I was like it just a lot of things were like pretty well done I was like oh this is not like a incompetent uh you know incompetently made or anything and there's no, a cool I don't think so at all yeah I don't think so I was like what's well, pretty well done like um for the most part there's some kind of goofy things here and there but uh yeah it's pretty it's a good time um some pretty gross like makeup effects uh yeah I had a good time with it I, I think you liked it a little more than I did but I still it's I mean it's it's a good time and now that it's on uh, is it on Shutter? You said, yeah. Then if it's it's on Shutter, I think people should check it out. It's a fun. Oh, did you fun... buy it then? I I did. I blind bought nice. it because because I think at the time there was no way to watch it. Yeah. Um, any I think it wasn't streaming anywhere. Now it happens a lot where like it'll get a release and then pop up on like Tubi or Shutter or somewhere. Um, honestly, we can talk after the show. I might I could I could probably just send you my copy as like an early birthday gift or something because <laughs> I I think you like it way more than I do. <laughs> I was going to buy it in the vinegar syndrome sale. So sure. We can have that conversation. <laughs> we'll negotiate. <laughs> All right, Daniel, what can you say? No, no. I'll, uh, but yeah, I, I, cause I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I'd, I could watch it again, <laughs> but I'm like, if it's available streaming, if I ever want to watch it, I could pop it on somewhere. But, um, but yeah, you sound like a massive fan. The Halloween party. I was like, Oh, th this is it. Daniel sealed the deal. He's like, if he's watching this, I can see where this is where I fell in love with the movie a hundred percent because, <laughs> um, also, that song they use over and over and over is actually pretty catchy. It's, it's like... so good. I love that song. <laughs> I blank it on the name, but I mean, especially when you have the the Blu-ray, it's like it plays on the the opening menu. It plays in the opening credits. It plays throughout the movie. At the end, it plays at the end credits. It's like and the band it's... is live at the Halloween party singing it. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's a catchy song. They got it's like we got one song. We're going to play the hell out of it. <laughs> 
so um which i appreciate um so yeah i guess we're both endorsing primal rage as a as a pick here so um yeah pick of the week pick of the week primal rage pick of the week (laughs) yes i love it i love it um uh, what what other what other crap have you been watching now i have to know okay so the ultimate in daniel loves crap and i actually feel like i have to preface why i watch this so I, it was just earlier today, uh, Stephanie, my wife was out getting groceries. I was staying home, taking care of our baby. And I'm just kind of sitting on the floor with him, like taking care of him. I'm thinking, I just want to put something on the TV to have on. So I go to Tubi, shout out Tubi. Um, yep. And I just scroll through <laughs> for a little bit. And I come across this 1990 comedy with actors I like. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll put it on. And it seems to have two titles, which I don't understand. It's like it's an Italian horror movie or something. So it's either called The Boyfriend School or Don't Tell Her It's Me. Have you ever heard oh, of this? Yes. And that's I appreciated your tweet not too long ago. But you're like, the joke's for two people. I'm like, me. because You've seen this? I've I've seen bits and pieces. I saw like okay. a trailer and I saw bits. Because there's a podcast I like. I don't want to say it. Like, they're pretty big pocket. How this get made? Okay, um, yeah. They covered it, I don't know, a while ago. Uh, and it sounded insane. And I was like, what is this movie? Um, and I remember looking at the trailer and then kind of watching like some random like clips on YouTube. And I, I think I thought, I don't need to see the whole thing. I think I got the idea. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but it's, it sounded crazy from like the premise and the way they described it, what happens in the movie. So, but I, I'll let you go ahead and describe it. <laughs> so uh, it's starring Steve Gutenberg as a, I think it's cancer survivor. Some, they don't say cancer, but something to that effect. Um, and he is, Steve Gutenberg is put in some pretty grotesque and offensive makeup in which he's, it's not quite fat suit, but they've made him look heavier and they've made him completely bald. He really looks like Dr. Evil from Austin P oh. powers, honestly. <laughs> uh-huh. And his sister is Shelly Long and she is a romance novelist and she's kind of obsessed with wanting him to find love and she meddles in his life a lot and she keeps pushing him to put himself out there. And he's like, no, I'm ugly. I can't do that. And uh, and then he meets a uh, a reporter who's doing an interview with Shelley Long. It's played by Jamie Gertz from The Lost Boys. And he kind of instantly falls in love with her. And he asks her out and she says no. And he's like, well, shit. And Shelley Long offers, well, I can make, give you a makeover to turn you into the guys who are in my romance novels. So she puts him through a workout regimen. She has him grow his hair out. Um, I don't know how he grows a giant mullet so fast, but somehow he does. And she gives him a new name, which is Lobo. And she says, you'd have to be foreign because like all these hot guys are from a foreign land. So you're going to be, and I, I thought this line was funny, especially thinking of our friend Lindsay said, the only way this is going to work if it's an accent no one's ever heard of. So you'll be from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, is New Zealand that obscure? Okay. In 1990, it wasn't even discovered yet. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> Peter Jackson hadn't found it yet and, and yeah, put they... it on the map. <laughs> no one knew who he was. It was a lost island he was working on. Um, I forgot he's I New Zealand. Yeah, and I love his name is Lobo. Like Lobo. What, like, all I think of is the DC character, but yeah, that Lobo, like badass Lobo from New Zealand. <laughs> Amazing. And I gotta say, it's kind of shocking how good they make Steve Gutenberg look. Like with the mullet, and he's got a motorcycle and leather jacket. I'm like, holy shit, Steve Gutenberg, you got it going on. <laughs> and uh, and of course, Jamie Gertz does. Oh, by the way, Jamie Kurtz's uh, douchebag boyfriend is played by none other than Kyle McLaughlin, which is wonderful oh, to see. Wow. I forgot about that. It's like 
part. Because of the people involved, I really enjoyed this. Like I thought Steve Gutenberg and Jamie Gertz were both very likable. Shelley Long is the star of the show. I love Shelley Long. She's so much fun to watch. And of course, Kyle McLaughlin is great. Um, I, and then I went on Letterboxd and people hate this movie. Like <laughs> it is reviled. And people act like it's like a truly morally reprehensible and I'm like, yeah, he pretends to be somebody he's not to get a girl to fall in love with him, which is wrong. But have you ever heard of the romantic comedy genre? I was going to say, isn't that the premise of like 25% of romantic comedy? So many. I'm like, <laughs> it's not really that unusual. Like, yes, don't do this in real life. But also it's a romantic comedy. This is kind of what these movies <laughs> do. So I don't really get what where these people are going off. I mean, it's not a great movie by any means, but I gave it three stars. I thought it was fun. I like following these people. So, uh, yeah more crap I like. So there you go. <laughs> oh, and it has a uh, match and Amic from Twin Peaks, like in her Twin Peaks time. It, it does. Like. She's like the office girl that Kyle McLaughlin's having an affair with. Oh, God. Uh, that's so weird that like, because so many movies have used that premise of like pretending to be somebody else, to woo somebody. Like, I wonder why they're taking it out on the boyfriend school. Like, is it, is it the <laughs> cancer angle too? Is that the part people like, I don't, so weird yeah, i don't, I don't know, know. I, i'm like you know everybody loves like the rock hudson doors day movies and i'm like that's all of those movies <laughs> and it's way worse it's actually way more reprehensible in those movies than right. here. weird yeah i don't know but uh, yeah I'm, i was like i kind of want to watch it but i don't know if i I yeah, I mean, this is you don't need to watch this. <laughs> like, if you're scrolling through Tubi and are like, "Oh, I just need something on," then like, sure, but. You don't need to watch this. Yeah, there's lots of other movies I probably still need to see. Lawrence of Arabia, you know, the things like that. This Deer one Hunter. is significantly shorter than Lawrence of Arabia, though. Oh, I will tell I you. I could watch three boyfriend schools in the time to watch Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> It'll teach you how to be an, a New Zealand badass. <laughs> and some people in Letterboxd reviews were like, a horrible New Zealand accent. And I'm like, that's kind of the point. He's not from New Zealand. <laughs> Right, that's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's they're trying to make him actually from there. So that's that no. you can get away with at that time. Um God, that's really funny. I love how they act like New Zealand's this weird land no one's heard of in 1990. <laughs> like the hell's New Zealand? <laughs> no one knew about it until Lord of the Rings. That's uh that's just a fact of no, it's like yeah. <laughs> oh for sure. God. I'm sure Lindsay yeah. would tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> is that is that the bottom of the barrel of crap or is there more? <laughs> That's all the crap. Like, other than that, I, I mean, I rewatched the first Iron Man because I recommended it to one of our friends. And I was just thinking, man, that movie's really good. And I rewatched it. And that movie's like basically perfect. Like, it's kind of amazing how they just took this obscure comic book character and made this wildly um, satisfying blockbuster that just hits every note just right. Uh, but we all know that movie's great. So uh, that, I think that's everything for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. You guys talking about Iron Man made me kind of re want to rewatch Iron Man. That <laughs> was like, yeah, oh, it's I, good. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's like with the MCU stuff, you you know, you just like you have to keep going through the you know they keep putting new movies out. So it's like I I have no time to go back. You know what I mean? It's like I can't go back <laughs> right. to the first Iron. I got twenty three other movies I need to you know I've seen them all. But you know it's like they just keep putting new stuff out. So it's like hard to take a breath and go back and rewatch Iron Man. And um, it is funny. I not doing this too long, but yeah, when I went to go see Iron Man, it was like just another summer movie like you know wasn't that big a deal like i mean i remember being like in a pretty packed screening but it it's just so funny that we didn't know what was coming after that you know it was just like oh we're gonna go see this iron man movie and hopefully it's good and we don't you know don't know much about it but um 
yeah, it's just crazy how things have changed in 15 years. So, um, but yeah, let me see here. What I, what I have. Um, okay. Another movie I know you watched. And I feel bad because I even did a YouTube video on it. That I have not had a chance to watch it because I, I meant to watch it. And I forgot. Oh, that's fine, uh, man. The Haunting of Julia, which yeah. just got put out by Scream Factory. Um, another under the category of movies that are uh, apparently impossible to stream anywhere because <laughs> I was at Best Buy and on my lunch and I was like, oh, I'm looking around movies and I'm like looking at that one and I'm kind of looking it up and I'm like, oh, I can't stream this anywhere. And I was like, I know I have like 15 bucks in like Best Buy rewards or something. And I was like, I think I was going to buy Haunting of Julia just because I want to watch it. <laughs> and uh, um, it was it was really good. I thought it's it's I don't I don't know if it's great because I feel like it. Um, how do I say it? I pull, not pulls its punches, but it kind of um, holds back maybe a little more than I would like. I mean, it's a ghost story. It's kind of funny. It's like I know like Hayden especially jokes about um horror movies and grief and like you know grief is a uh I can't, how does he say it you know like the whole thing's about grief and basically which is haunting of julie about mia farrow and her husband played by kier delea from 2001 i realize i've seen kier delea in almost nothing except for uh 2001 and black christmas uh and then he's in this and um very i mean it's the inciting into the movie so not a spoiler but their daughter they're having breakfast it's very normal uh and then suddenly the daughter starts choking and they can't uh, help her. And Mia Farrow tries to, like, I guess, try a tracheotomy, which seems very dangerous. And it does not work. The daughter dies. Um, yeah, just, and, just to jump in real quick. It yeah. drove me crazy that they're not doing the Heimlich in that scene. But I looked into it, and that was not well known in the 1970s, which I is was so tragic. I know. I was wondering about that. I was like, man, that, the Heimlich wasn't, like, a common thing by the 70s. It feels, you know, it's like... Uh, so yeah, they they're trying to save her. It's a rough scene. It's a really rough because uh, it feels so real. I feel it's like it's so disturbing. And and just Mia Farrow's performance is so good and like scrambling and completely helpless. It's really scary. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, yeah, it's like <laughs> trying to save your child and you can't do anything. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a rough it's a rough opening scene. But then I mean that sets up a whole movie of like they drift apart. I think there's a time jump. I remember what the time jump is. But uh, Mia Farrow is in london uh buys a house to restart her life um and the house seems to be haunted uh they do a seance there's a lot of like kind of standard ghost story stuff happening um kind of the mystery of what's going on wh what child is haunting the house uh i don't want to say too much because then again the spoilers but it's a, more like an interesting drama or mystery almost and there's still scary stuff and the ending is like haunting i like the, the ending and a lot of people said this i saw another box the ending has like really um burned into my brain the last it's like uh, an a24 end credit sequence my god it really is <laughs> yeah it really is uh it's um it's really it's good it's, it's a really solid movie um happy i the blind buy paid off and uh yeah i because i saw you had, i think we have the same score actually like a seven out of ten which is a very solid you know rating but um but yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a, I, and I never really had heard of it, I think, before. I don't know, like, it was kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, what is this movie they're putting out? Um, and yeah, I thought Mia Farrow's really good. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good movie, so. Yeah, this is like exactly what I said in my video, actually, <laughs> where I was like, you know, it's like a good haunted house movie, but it's not scary. And, and 
haunted house like ghost movies that's like the only genre that i go in kind of hoping to be scared because other genres i don't even like worry about it Mm -hmm. um because ghost movies can scare me and this one didn't and i think i said my video like especially if you like 70s dramas then you're in a good position to enjoy the movie and I liked it. I thought it was good. I, it looks so good in 4K because it's oh, re- yeah. a very dark and shadowy movie. And I just think when movies are have a lot of blackness and shadow, that's when 4K shines the most. So um, the restoration's really good. But uh, yeah, and I'm just I'm glad it's available because you're right. I for a long time I was trying to stream this movie and just was not able to. So glad I was able to see it. I mean, it's no Primal Rage, but you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, not not quite as entertaining as Primal Rage, but what it's hard it's hard to be. You know, they don't have a killer baboon haunting of Julia, so it's very true, very true. Every movie to killer baboon. There are zero <laughs> Halloween parties in the haunting of Julia. Oh, that's true too. I mean, that's a lot going against it. Um, we'll have, we might talk about this off mic because it might be a spoiler, but I think you something in your letterbox review about the movies like doing the thing where there's a gun under the ta- or a bomb under the table. Oh yes. Okay. Is that a spoiler we can talk about off mic or? Well, I, I would just say somebody dies in the basement. Oh. And no one ever discovers the body. <laughs> yes. I, thought, I said out loud to, I won't say the I said out loud to myself. We've been in a movie. I was like, wait, is so-and-so still in the basement and no one has found him? <laughs> like, Because every time someone comes over to her house, I'm like, oh, they're going to find the dead body in her basement. And how is she going to explain it? And it never happens. Yes. That's a Very great, weird. great point. Because I had, I had that thought, but I didn't. Put, uh, make that correlation what you said like that was what you were talking about but yeah I did ha- I said to no one I was like wait is he down <laughs> like uh yeah yeah I won't say anymore but it, that's funny okay because I'm glad we had the same thought like what's going on um okay uh well okay <laughs> this, I won't call this crap this is a fun movie uh but it's exploitation uh I finally saw Sonny Chiba's The Street Fighter from 1974 um just like really well-made schlocky exploitation but uh have you seen the street fighter with sunny chiba i didn't i, didn't I have he... not no i know okay. there's a fancy shout factory box set of them right yeah that's only it's only three movies it's only like 20 bucks on amazon oh like, nice that's the kind of shout factory prices i can get behind <laughs> i know i i was like hey that ain't bad um that's like yeah that breaks down pretty well per movie but um it's uh yeah so street fighter is very straightforward for the most part. Uh, basically, um, Sonny Chiba is this mercenary badass guy um, who is hired uh, by the mafia and the Nakuza to kidnap this daughter of a rich businessman. The rich businessman just died, and they, uh, I think, want her all the money she's going to get. Um, so Sonny Chiba, there's a double cross that kind of happens. They try to kill him. Um, and then he kind of turns the corner and is like, well, I'm going to protect this girl now. So he, he, he flips sides, basically. And um, it's I mean, a lot of Sonny Chiba just kicking ass. I mean, it's like, it's it's funny because it's not super well choreographed martial arts fight scenes, but uh, it's OK because it's just like a fun exploitation movie. And Sonny Chiba really sells it like there's times when I I feel like he's just beating guys' ass. <laughs> it's like it just looks like he's just wailing on guys. Um, not really. Uh, it's not super. Um, what's the word? Uh, it's it's very rough. I feel he's just like pound, he's punch, punching guys in the face, and um, not super fancy. And he makes a lot of wild faces when he fights, which is 
entertaining to me. <laughs> he just does. Everyone's making insane faces. Um, it's super violent. It's super uh, just grindhousey type feel. Like I am surprised I didn't see this earlier because I know um, it's like a Tarantino favorite, and it came up. I it I don't know if it'll be out by the time this comes out, but um, me and James were on Lindsay's show. And uh, Street Fighter came up. It wasn't the topic of the show, but it came up. And Lindsay was telling me and James, like, she really sold it. I think it's in the episode. She really sold the Street Fighter. She's like, oh, you guys got to see the Street Fighter. It's really entertaining. And Lindsay was right. So um, be a great exploitation pick if you can. Uh, it's a lot. It's a good time. So nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I I've noticed I've not been in the mood for like martial arts action movies in a long time lately. The the kind of action I've been interested in is more like more like big set piece action. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than just like two guys fighting. So like so some of the action movies I've more watched this year have been like I've started getting into the Bollywood ones because there are some martial arts ones like that, but a lot of them are like big giant, like mission impossible kind of set pieces. And that's kind of where my enjoyment's been lately. But um, if I get in the mood to just watch a couple of guys kick each other again, I, I might check this out. <laughs> if you want to see Sonichiba like rip out throats and you know, all that kind of stuff and street fighters where it's at. Um, it's, it's uh, it is pretty wild. Um, last thing I'll mention uh, is a film from, I believe, Taiwan, I think. And I I barely I don't want to really take a shot at the director's name because I think I'll mess it up. But um, it's called Goodbye, Dragon Inn. Okay. Um, which uh, is a movie I've heard about for a long time. Again, very hard to see. Um, I found a cheap Blu-ray on, I think, Diabolic DVD was selling it. And I was like, there's no way to watch this movie. Um, uh, Goodbye, Dragon Inn is really good it's really great i mean it is like it's weird though because it's essentially it's from 2003 it's essentially a silent movie though because it is basically there's it's a, a theater in taiwan that's like this old kind of uh decrepit theater used to be very popular they're showing this uh movie i've still not seen it's like a martial arts classic i hear uh just called dragon in is the movie um and it basically is just showing the people that work in the theater and the people coming to the theater and watching the movie and this like little like slice of life type movie. But it's just kind of observing everything that like somebody finally speaks like 45 minutes into this hour and 20 minute movie. And it's like jarring. You're like, well, what someone talk? You're like, it's like, because yeah, it's so hypnotic. It's It's like usually this kind of thing is not my bag. Like I was. I don't know. Like I just like it's I don't have the patience. I have a very short attention span sometimes, but but it really held my attention for the fact that not much is happening. Like there's these long static shots where you're just kind of watching uh, a part of the theater or someone do something like some simple task. Um, but it looks beautiful. I don't know how the director does this where he just makes this so hypnotic. You're just watching and time is passing and then yeah, it's like, and then someone talks. I was like, whoa, what? like someone, I was like, <laughs> almost like a jump scare. <laughs> I was like, oh, someone, <laughs> someone spoke, what's going on? And there's like four lines of dialogue in the whole movie. It's like the couple lines at 45 minutes and a couple lines near the end. Because um, I think I read that they got some of the original actors who were in this Dragon Inn movie to be in this movie. And they're playing like themselves basically to watch this movie in the theaters. Like it's the last night, it's going to be an operation. It's shutting down. They're showing this movie. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, it's I, it's kind of a weird one to describe or even try to sell to people because your mileage is going to vary a lot depending on your patience, I think. But I found it fascinating because I, it, I'm i like, not much is going on, but I'm really weirdly into it and transfixed by just watching this. There's some funny moments they're peppered in. Um, it's, I don't know. I thought it was really good. It's very different than anything I've ever really seen, honestly. Um I thought it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I don't know if I can. We wouldn't recommend because a lot of people will be like, nothing happens. This movie. A lot of the reviews are like, nothing happens in this movie. And it's like, yes, you are kind of right. But for some reason, I find it, uh, I found it very fascinating. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, I'm just curious because you said it's not the kind of thing you would normally watch. What, what drove you to check this movie out? I think just the, well, it always helps things like unavailable. That all, when I, when it has a good, it has a ah, great forbidden reputation. Fruit. The Forbidden Fruit, I think, uh, <laughs> yes, Carmelina talked a few times. It's like the fact it has a great reputation. I've heard about it for a long time. Um, and the fact that it was very hard to see. And I think the Blu-rays like, came out pretty recently. And I was like, oh, I could finally see it. And uh, the fact also, I meant to say it's like earlier, like I, I feel like I've been watching a lot of uh, Asian cinema this year, like from everywhere, like Japan, Hong Kong, this from Taiwan. Um like all over the place, Korea, like, um, and I feel like it's been paying off. Like every time I watch a movie, like an Asian movie, it's been great. Like from everywhere. Like I'm like, these, they make some of the best movies, especially Hong Kong, which has always been a thing I'm interested in, but I'm getting way more into it, like back into it this year. Um, and I think that was part of the reason too. I'm like, I'm on a roll with Asian cinema. I was like, just keep picking different ones that, that sound good. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I land this one, too. Nice. Very interesting. So prepare for a lot of that on the Discoveries episode, probably. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, we'll see. We'll see. But I think it's going to be a good amount of it because it just they keep it keeps paying off. I'm like, man, it's like, I don't know how, how it does it. But um, my Discoveries list so far is like a clear divide between classic Hollywood and really cheesy horror movies. <laughs> and that's all of it. I mean, that sounds like a fun mix, though. That sounds, that <laughs> it's, sounds good. It's, it's me. That's that's what that's what I'm into. That's true. <laughs> you, you like crap, but you also <laughs> but you also like classic cinema from the <laughs> 30s and 40s. Um, I will that, tell that's you all I, I like. Yeah, that's that's it. Nothing else. This Marvel stuff. <laughs> get out of here. Um, I can tell you right now, I think I have my classic black and white pick already locked in. So oh, this is very exciting. <laughs> I always love looking forward to that. I know. I obviously you brought it up. I was like, oh, I guess I always do have one of those, don't I? <laughs> so so far, this one's pretty high up. I don't know if it'll hold. I mean, there's a lot of the year left, but I think it's going to be in the top ten somewhere. It's like, okay, cool, Daniel. Well, I will give my <laughs> my uh, my one at least one classic black and white pick. So um, yeah, I'm already excited about that episode, <laughs> honestly. So uh, always oh, looking yeah, forward to always looking forward to that. Um, I'm also so, looking forward to Keith's annual incredibly disturbing movie that I will never watch pick. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I joined him on that last year where I had a couple where I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I okay? Like <laughs> some really disturbing movies. Uh, so far, this year's list, not as disturbing. We'll see if it stays that way. So, okay. Um, but uh, I, I almost said speaking of disturbing, that doesn't really, that doesn't quite work for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 as a segue. Uh, it kind of does, yeah, actually. It, it does, actually. Some parts of it, yes. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's here. This is a very fresh episode. We literally both just saw it this weekend. It's the first weekend. It's out. Um, we rarely do this, but I am very excited to talk about this. I mean, I would, I'd like to talk to, like, 
kind of spoiler free ish for a little bit because it's so new. I'm not even sure everyone's had a chance to see it yet. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I guess a twofold question here, your general thoughts on the guardians movie so far, and then your general thoughts on three without spoilers. Okay, cool. Uh, general thoughts on the guardians. I would say the guardians are my favorite thing in the MCU, which is one reason I reached out to you and was like, Hey, can we talk about this when this comes out? Because these characters mean a lot to me. Um, now, in 2014, that's when the first Guardians movie came out. But it was one or two years before they announced the Mar Marvel announced they were making this movie. And my reaction was the same as when they announced Iron Man and when they announced Thor, which was that's never going to happen. I was like, <laughs> they announced they're making it. And I was like, no, they're not like that's they're literally not going to make that movie. That's a ridiculous idea. <laughs> and it's not because I didn't like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but because they were so obscure. And I was like, mm -hmm. that, that, they're just not going to make a movie that obscure. And uh, and I was wrong. I'm happy to say I was very wrong. And it came out and I loved it. I absolutely loved that movie. And it was such a sleeper hit for that year where nobody really expected much from it. And it just stuck around in the box office week after week and people just loved it. And uh, so I was very excited going into volume two. That was 2017. And I liked two. I definitely didn't like it as much as the first one, but that's one of the Marvel movies that has grown on me the most. And now I can never decide if I like Guardians one or two better. Like it's just, they're so neck and neck for me. I love them both so much. Um, I love these characters. They're just a perfect group of misfits. All of the actors fit the roles so perfectly. James Gunn has such a specific vision for this side of the MCU that's so distinct and you can just feel his voice going through it so much. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that I love those movies and everything, and I love them in Infinity War and Endgame, I was still blown away yet again last holiday season when the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special came out. And that holiday special is actually the thing that brought me back, got me back into the MCU. Because look, I know a lot of people have had some struggles with phase four and I've had those struggles too. Like I liked the first few movies. Um, then Dr. Strange Multiverse of Madness came out and I was, I talked about on your show actually about how much I disliked that movie. I've actually come around on it quite a bit by now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, right. I forgot about that. I've oh, watched it like, like three yeah. times. It's such wow. a rewatchable <laughs> movie for me. <laughs> I've gotten over the things that hurt me about that movie. I've, I've learned to live with it. Um, but anyway, I didn't like that when it came out. Uh, and then Thor Love and Thunder came out and I hated it. And it's still my least favorite MCU. And um, and then Wakanda Forever came out and I actually didn't go see it at first. And then the holiday special came out and I loved it so much. I watched it twice like the weekend that it came out. And it really just showed a light once again on how much I love these characters. And then I, after that, I went to see Wakanda forever and really enjoyed it. And, and I've just been really feeling the MCU ever since. So I know a lot of, I, well, I, I know a lot of people are not happy with the MCU right now, and it's become very cool to bash on it. And that's one of the reasons I asked you to do this episode is I, was, I, I I've started to feel kind of defensive about the MCU. And before I actually get into my thoughts on volume three, I kind of want to ask you, like, what are your what what were your feelings about the MCU going into this movie? Like, have you been feeling since Endgame? I mean, I, I have been feeling a little bit of the superhero fatigue as well, <laughs> like, which I kind of hate saying because I feel like every I think I've seen that phrase every day on Twitter for the past, like, two years. It feels like a superhero fatigue. Um and, I, you know, I, I it's I don't know. I've been kind of feeling but then I go see most of them and I'm like, 
most of them I'm at least enjoy to some degree, like uh, except like Thor Ragnarok, but uh, which just really upset me. Um, Love and Thunder, I'm assuming. Oh God, sorry, Love and Thunder, not Ragnarok. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's I I hate it so much. I forgot the name. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's fair. I'm gonna pretend it's a different Thor movie that I do like. No, that didn't make any sense. But anyway, no, sorry, Love and Thunder. Um, yeah, d- that one I really remember being like, oh, this is rough. But I remember Wakanda Forever being pretty good. I mean, they were up against a very tough uh, thing with losing Chadwick Boseman. So that's like almost like a, you got to give them, like, it's a whole separate thing, I feel like. And then I, you know, No Way Home was great. I love No Way Home. Um, and God, I mean, what else has come out? Like Black Widow was fine. Uh, Ant-Man I Quantumania prob- was the last one. Yeah, I, I, I was okay with Quantumania. I didn't love Quantumania. Um that's I that kind of gets me happy a lot where I'm like, this is fine. Like, uh, so nothing has like blown me away uh for a while until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, honestly. <laughs> like, um this is uh yeah, I mean, so this is kind of like the one that I feel like uh like I'm back in, I guess. I don't, but then I, I feel like I'm back in, but I feel like this feels so final for this specific story you know what i mean it's like am i really back into mcu or am i just like this was so good <laughs> that you know that i temporarily feel like i'm i love everything <laughs> yeah i i mean it this definitely is a very specific corner of the mcu and also this one feels different like i yes. i still like the mcu i think there are quite a few good mo- i i like most of the movies that have come out since endgame and I've noticed this weird thing online where it seems like every time a post Endgame Marvel movie comes out, it makes a lot of money. Critic reviews are generally favorable. People seem to enjoy it. And then when the next Marvel movie comes around, everyone's like, oh, they've all been terrible since Endgame, but I guess we'll <laughs> give this a shot. And I'm like, you all were just talking about how you liked the last one. So what are you talking about? It's just like, I don't know. It's like this mass hypnosis where we've all just decided these movies suck, even though every time we watch them, Almost every time we seem to like them. I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't think they've all been bad since Endgame. I think that's a, a, a crazy thing for people to say, but I do, I see it too. So you're not, I mean, you're not wrong. I do see that, but um, I think there's a problem with people feeling like there's no direction post Endgame. Like that's true. But I think people are forgetting that the Infinity War Endgame thing was really special. Um, and the MCU was not always like the giant Titan of movies. And it every movie was not always great. Like the sort of trend where you get a few movies that are like pretty good. They're entertaining. They're a good time. They're not great. And then you get something that's really amazing and blows people away. That's kind of how the MCU is. And by the way, that's kind of how movies are. We're like, <laughs> there are a lot of movies that come out and they're pretty good. They're okay. And then something comes out that's amazing. And that's, that's how it worked with 50s westerns. That's how it worked with 60s sex comedies. That's how it worked with 70s whatever. That's just kind of how it goes. Um, gosh, where was my thought? Oh, yeah. But then this one, it is different. And it struck me right away when I started watching it, where I can immediately see, oh, the effects are, the special effects are different. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm one of the rare people that defends Ant-Man Quantumania. I think it has a lot of good things about it. The CGI is not great. And, like, that's the one criticism of Quantumania that I agree with. They could have done better with the CGI. Um, this movie looks immaculate from start to finish. All of the pra- And it's it's a great mix of practical effects and visual effects. 
which is a little rare from the MCU. Um, so all that looks great. And when, uh, and, and I'm not spoiling anything, but the opening action scene, when Adam Warlock shows up played by Will Poulter, immediately like I tell for the action, oh, this is different action for the MCU. Like it felt visceral. Every punch, every hit had this a huge impact. There was a real sense of danger where the characters were like scrambling to survive and you felt their, you felt their desperation. Um, and the MCU has not felt like that in a very long time. That's not the norm for this universe. It's not even really the norm for like blockbusters of today. And this movie is just a step up from the majority of the universe, I think. I would agree with that. I think it definitely helps that it, it's, I, I don't think this happens anywhere else in the MCU. You've had one writer director take the whole thing through because Thor had two Taika Waititi movies, but he didn't do the first two. Captain America, you don't have that. Iron Man, you don't have that. Peyton um, Reed with Ant-Man is kind of the only other one. Oh God. And I think that trilogy has some <laughs> consistent ideas through it as well. That's true. Man, I feel bad. I kind of just, <laughs> just escaped the, the shift of uh, Peyton Reed there. But it's like, I, I feel like for some reason, does he, but does he write those movies too? I know he directed all of them, but I don't, I don't know. know about that. That, so you, that, that might, might be a good point. Was, the key, I think, is James Gunn, also his voice coming through because so many of the criticisms leveled at Marvel movies is like, they kind of feel like they came off of like a, a machine, you know, like a warehouse and like they're put together by committee. Um, and a lot of times people complain about, oh, they kind of like make the directors fall in line and they have to do their certain Marvel style. James Gunn, some stuff feels like he's gotten uh, around that for the most part in all of his movies with them, um, which is kind of incredible. Everything else that's happened. And uh, you feel that. I mean, it just feels different. Like you said, like the, from the get go. Um, there is something I don't, uh, that's kind of spoilerish. So I won't even say it, but, um, but yeah, I think that I was thinking that's what makes it. I think to this other level, the extra special is that James Gunn has written, directed this whole trilogy and it truly feels like, Oh wow. Like they didn't beat the creativity out of him. They didn't, they didn't like take his voice out of it. Like you really feel that in all the movies. Um, and he, got away with it so um but I, they they certainly yeah. tried to take his voice out of it down to the fact that they tried to fire him off this movie i don't know if we should talk a little bit about that oh yeah <laughs> that feels like so long ago did that happen pre-covid <laughs> uh i think it was before because uh after he got fired he signed on with dc to make suicide squad and then he made that and that came out in 2021 One? so this movie's yeah. been delayed a lot because of all that that's right, man. I had I just I, I went read the other day. I forgot. I was like, oh my god, I forgot he was fired off this. Um, for some old tweets that were like, I thought pretty. I think everyone, everybody was like, these are jokes, right? Like I don't and think it was anyone... when he was working with Troma. So like, yeah, like that's <laughs> wait, wait, you're you're making Troma movies. You're gonna say really offensive things, <laughs> say wild things. Yeah, I don't think anybody thought that was serious. I mean, it's, I mean, somebody did because they took him off the movie, but um, that is crazy i yeah thank you for bringing that up because i think i would have forgot the whole episode but um yeah it was i mean it's a good thing he got to it, it's i mean it's a great thing he got to finish his trilogy because it feels ah, man there's so much i want to say about this it's like it really feels like yeah this person got to have their say and how this whole thing wraps up and it's very personal feeling for being a big superhero movie but it has that's a great thing about the, the Guardians movies. I've always had this like really nice personal touch to them. Very like soulful, 
thing I feel like um, that I've always really appreciated and maybe three, maybe the most of it. I, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot in three that, that I loved. And I'm like this, you know, this is very, uh, what's the, what am I trying to say? Uh, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just, I love that he got to finish it and finish it the way he wanted to, because you can tell it's like, it's you like, yes, this person had an idea, followed it through and, did it and just walked away i am sad he won't be an mcu anymore honestly but uh hopefully he does good things for dc yeah yeah i hope so too and this movie feels extra special because we've i think we've all seen a lot of part threes closing to trilogies over the past few years that have felt as although you know we might like them to varying degrees some people like them some people hate them of course um that they feel messy and it feels like, you know, the ideas aren't really carried forward throughout and you kind of have to tilt your head and squint your eyes to see like how the story all flows from movie to movie. There's been a lot of those over the past few years. And to see a part three that's been made by the same person that's made all of them, it feels like a consistent vision, but also the way that it pays off emotional beats and arcs for every character and the way that it makes the previous movies better by keeping all of this in mind, it's pretty amazing. And it's rare. Like, it really doesn't happen with trilogies as often as it doesn't. Yes, that's a very good point. I think I've made that point many times in this, or I feel like I made it many times this point, this podcast, that, like, there's a lot of bad part threes out there. <laughs> and it's and it's very tough to end a trilogy, I think, to end a story right. Um but yeah, this is one of the good ones. This is really one of the good, great part threes. Um, I guess I'm kind of, yeah, saying my, it's like, yes, I think this movie was great. I actually, it's funny because I saw it Friday night and thought about it. And the next day I went back and raised my score in Letterboxd. I was like, no, nice, no, no, nice. this is, this is a great movie. I really loved it. Um, it, it just hit a lot of like the right buttons for me. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I would say one of the great part threes now. And uh um, yeah, I guess because I feel like I'm dancing around a bunch of stuff. So I think we've said our piece uh, spoiler free. So I just want to jump into spoiler stuff now. <laughs> so let's do it. Um, yeah, everybody go see this movie. I don't yes, care if you yeah. didn't like Quantumania, Wakanda Forever. Shut up. Just go see this movie. <laughs> just just go now. Uh, especially if you like the other Guardians movies. I feel like. Oh, don't, yeah, for sure. Don't quit now. Like get finish this up and then then you can be done, I guess, if you want to be. But um uh yeah okay so yes we're gonna start talking spoilers stop now and i'll you know okay so where do you <laughs> what do you want to jump into that would be a spoiler topic do you want to start talking about <laughs> i mean i think we just have to start with rocket yes <laughs> rocket's arc is incredible in this movie this is uh, through a whole trilogy really i mean but this movie is like the rocket storyline is uh it's incredible i cannot believe much emotion i got watching uh cgi raccoon and his like cgi animal friends and how much that hit uh with me um man it was it's it's so good the rocket stuff is like the it seals the whole show i feel like i mean and there's a lot of great stuff in the movie but i feel like the rocket stuff just stands head and shoulders above it i don't know if you agree or not <laughs> oh man i i love the rocket stuff and that's the main thing i was talking about when i said that this movie makes the previous movies better. Because if you think about what we know about Rocket in the past two movies, so in the first one, you know, he's this criminal, he's a loudmouth, he's pissed off. 
And uh, and he has this moment where he gets drunk and he's kind of losing it. And he says, you don't know, you don't understand what it's like to be torn apart and put back together again, like some kind of science project. And that's kind of the extent that we get a backstory for him in the first movie. In the second movie, I think the second movie also has a great Rocket storyline because Rocket almost becomes unlikable in part two. And he's really angry and he's dealing with a lot of just negative emotions and he's clashing with the rest of the team. He's clashing the most with star Lord and he goes off in this side mission, side mission with Yondu and it teaches him a lot and it helps him have an arc. And Yondu says, you know, I know who you are because you're me and you're dealing with all the same anger issues and bitterness that I dealt with. And, uh, and by the end, I think the final shot of guardians two is amazing where rocket is watching fireworks tributing Yondu and he cries. And I always cry at the end of guardians two. So having all that in mind and then knowing what he went through and seeing why he's so angry, why he's so bitter is so powerful. Um, and then seeing how he's able to overcome it in this movie and become a better person is great. But also it's great to keep in mind because now every act of rebellion that we've seen from Rocket, every crime, every act of violence, every time he's tried to steal somebody's mechanical body part throughout <laughs> all these movies, it all feels like this great just acts of rebellion against the horrible background that he had. And now like all of that just feels better, like and feels like fist pump moments all throughout these movies. Yes, I mean, def yeah, for sure, it definitely enriches everything that's come before like i really i didn't have time but i i really gonna want to go back and watch um guardians one and two i had to do it before three but i actually want to do it even more after watching three because <laughs> because uh just to kind of see those moments again and yeah i mean it's like it kind of explains everything about his character and why he is the way that he is because i mean that is like just tragic like what happens to him like and you can imagine anybody being very bitter and angry and uh unable to get over that if that's uh if that happened to them you know like just i mean obviously like just their their friends or family being like killed basically right in front of them and you know how does somebody move on from that you know so um that's that sequence was rough i i <laughs> there was a fa like a family there was like a mom and her two daughters who were like I couldn't really tell, but they look at about maybe six, seven. They like left the theater after that sequence. They were gone. <laughs> they just booked it out of it. And I, I couldn't really blame them because it was really rough. I That leads into something I want to ask you, because okay. it's like the main conversation that I'm seeing around this movie, besides just the fact that it's good, is did James Gunn go too far? And did he make this movie too disturbing more than it should have been? Seeing that it's a Marvel movie and a lot of kids want to go see Marvel movies. I mean, it's like I, I saw the conversation a lot, too. And I I had the I just had the thought that he really pushed the PG-13 like, but it didn't bother me. I mean, but I'm an adult. I wasn't there with like I didn't bring kids. Um, and obviously, yeah, kids like Marvel movies. And but again, someone made a great point on Twitter. It's like we got to remember, like PG-13 is like a rating that means, you know, strongly suggests like. This might be too much for kids under 13. Like that's it what it's supposed to be. Age mean. 13. Nobody seems to remember that anymore. <laughs> right. P13 has become like a it's like no one pays attention to it, I feel like. Like they just I mean, it's like they know it's not R. They know it's like a little tougher, 
but I feel like they ignored the age. Yeah, the age part of it. They're like, oh, as long as it's not R, I can bring my like five year old to P13, which may not always be the, be the case. And like, so I think he I mean, he pushes it. I really thought like I was surprised Marvel would let him kind of push it as much as he does, because just it it's almost more so that it's it gets very dark at times, like subject matter wise. And a lot of people were talking right before we sat down, my friend next to me at the theater, or we sat down, my friend in the theater was like, hey, do you see the warning from like IGN or somebody about there's like a lot of animal cruelty in this movie? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, no, I didn't see that. Like, so which can bother some people. And I understand that's triggering. It's not it's not like it's fun to watch. It's very rough in the movie, um, but it's very important to his story. And I mean, I but these are kind of things I feel like if you're a parent, you kind of have to check this stuff out it's the p13 should be like your warning to like hey there may be some rough stuff you know like so i don't think we should be so limited in our view of what like an mcu movie you know what i mean like mc movie is and like you know that's up to the parents i feel like is what i'm saying basically like he yeah, they gave him p13 he did it and you know that's not his fault that some people are like this is too dark for an mcu movie it's like you know it is what it is i don't know <laughs> I agree. And like, I, I totally believe like all parents should, you know, go in uh, educated, know what's basically in this movie, make a decision for your own family, blah, blah, blah. But I think you can't not, you cannot keep a universe going on fluff alone. You can't make every movie fun, enjoyable pop and expect people to keep carrying throughout. You've got to throw darkness in there. You've got to have characters really go through some shit and go through some difficult things. Otherwise, people are people are not going to keep invested. Like you've got to put characters through the ringer, and this movie really does that. And uh, but also, I kind of wanted to ask you uh, because I don't think I saw the worst that if in this movie because I actually went to the bathroom at one point, and oh. uh, it's a two hour, two and a half hour movie. And when I got back. And I wasn't gone for long, but when I got back, all of the guardians were standing around watching like a recording from Rocket's like head or something. And they're all like, oh my God. And Nebula says, that's so much worse than what Thanos put me through. And I'm like, holy shit, what did I miss? I did not know I went to the bathroom at the worst possible time. <laughs> it's hard to figure out with these, but you don't know. It's uh, did you, so did you see the sequence when um, all of Rocket's friends get killed? Yes, I saw that. Okay which is really horrifying. It is really horrifying. And uh, I, man, I'm, this is a bad part about seeing a movie once opening weekend. Cause I'm struggling to yeah. think of what, uh, God, I feel like there's multiple times where they show like him kind of being like worked on or tortured by the, the high evolutionary uh, who yeah, made him. I, I'm sorry. I, can't, I wish I could help you. I can't, I'm blanking on what, what exactly they were talking about. Um, I thought it was just in general about how he was experimented on. I don't. Okay. I can, yeah. <laughs> now I, I was yeah. only gone for like a couple minutes, so I saw pretty much everything. But like when I got back, all the characters were reacting to something, and I was like, <laughs> "Shit! What are? What did they just see?" <laughs> oh, that's gonna bother me too. But I can't remember. Um, uh, we'll I, see it again. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, I do want to see it again. So, um, yeah. I mean, God, that. <laughs> I guess we should just really uh, that whole sequence, but they they build up Rocket's friends in like the nicest way and you love all of them they're adorable little cgi animals uh even if they're kind of like they have these things they've done to them like the the rabbit has wheels attached and the walrus is god knows what happened to him and uh <laughs> lila the bunny has her um wait no she's an otter i'm sorry she has like these metal arms like they have these horrific things they've been experimenting on but their personalities they seem so sweet oh my god the scene when they come up with names 
for themselves. It's oh, like, yeah. That's what my friend leaned over to me and he goes, this isn't going to end well. And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, the, the minute they start giving themselves these nice names, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be really rough. And um, just heartbreaking. I mean, it's like, and and that's, 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 so I, that's not like exploitative to be, it's not like animal abuse for the sake of animal abuse. It's like, they build up these little characters, they die, that kind of, that, it's Rocket's whole, uh, thing after that. It's like everything that he does after that is that moment forward is, you know, all the anger, all the, the everything is based off what happens to him. And I, who could blame him? You know what I mean? It's like how he should be angry all the time, you know? So, um, it's hard to get past something that tragic could happen to anybody. I mean, we're talking about a CGI raccoon, but if this happened to a, a person, you'd be like, Oh my God, how do you ever work through that? You know? Um, and he doesn't work through it. That's the point of like the movies. He's never really like confronted his tragedy. It sounds like he doesn't want to talk about it. So um, that's the crazy thing that James Gunn worked in all this stuff about like working through tragedy and dealing with pain and emotion in like a movie with these ridiculous over the top characters that I now love, you know? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember hearing about this movie and people said like, one of the characters is a raccoon and you're like, what, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> and, uh, and they've made him one of the most emotional characters in this whole franchise is amazing. And it's, it's a testament to Sean Gunn doing the motion capture. It's a testament to the incredible visual effects that make him so lifelike. And you never feel like you're watching CGI and Bradley Cooper's like unrecognizable performance. And, I remember thinking like, you don't need like a big star like Bradley Cooper to voice this character. That's probably unnecessary, but it's a hell of a performance. It's really, really good. And there's just so many factors that are all at the top of their game going towards making this a great movie character. Yes. Yes. I could, I could not agree more. It's like, and yeah, all those pieces coming together, you know, that you said like the motion capture performance, the voice performance, the CGI they do. It's like, that makes it almost even more impressive that all those parts have to work together to make it as good as it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, that stuff is great. I'm glad we talked about that stuff first. Cause I mean, that's the stuff that I walked away from being like just blown away by. And, uh, um, I was going to ask, sorry to back to this is kind of a goofy thing to get off, but the whole P 13 rating, this is a big news story too, before it came out, the first F bomb in the uh, MCU. Oh shit. It is. <laughs> Or sorry, what oh it, fuck! Yeah, <laughs> we're cussing now. Um, what did you What did you think of the F bomb? Do you remember the F bomb? <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it. Okay. Um, it's when Nebula is struggling to open a car door because she's never encountered like a, a Earth car before, and she can't figure it out. And Chris Pratt just yells at her, "Just get in the fucking car!" It is. It is funnier. It's funny. That gag's funnier the more I thought about it because when it first happened, I was like, "Oh, that was their first F bomb." Okay, but then I thought about the gag. Like later on, I was like, that was really funny. Never mind, that's fine. Like they don't need to make it like a big like. I don't know how else you even do it in that movie. Like a fuck you. It just so at least it was like, it was funny. And then just her not knowing how to use it. Their first f bomb is like Benedict Cumberbatch revealing his name as Khan and 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 into the darkness is like this huge epic moment. Somebody like the end of the movie is happening. Someone's like, what the fuck? And then just <laughs> to I don't know, just Guardians overturned or something or they I don't know what they would do. But yeah, I'm kind of glad it was more in the spirit of them, which is making a, you know, a funny moment, basically. <laughs> but um, I, had well, I watched a, yeah. I watched an interview with um, James Gunn and Chris Pratt, and they talked about that. 
And apparently it was not scripted. Chris Pratt just said it. And he said that usually when he's filming a movie, when he's tired of doing takes, he just starts throwing the F word around a lot. And he says, <laughs> it's basically tells people that I'm done trying to make something for the movie. And I'm just trying to make the people behind the monitor laugh. And apparently that's what he was doing there. And they decided to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, good on Kevin Feige for finally uh, letting somebody say the F word in a Marvel movie. <laughs> like I am, I, I mean, that's kind of a separate topic, but yeah, I feel like Kevin Feige must really love James Gunn because I feel like he's let him have more creative freedom than anybody. And the fact that the guy is going over to DC now. And I feel like I read something where James Gunn was like, oh, Kevin Feige's been super supportive of it. And like, um, you know, is like letting me like they let him do the Suicide Squad. He came back to Guardian. So it's like the fact they even let him cross back over the line in the first place is like, I, I feel like they must really like him over at Marvel. <laughs> so. Well, I think there's a few factors going into it. I mean, first, filmmakers like James Gunn don't grow on trees. Like, you can't just throw a rock in Hollywood and hit somebody with the talent and vision of James Gunn. Like, he's just, he is unusually great. Like, I think he's one of, I think he's one of our great filmmakers working right now. I would stand by that. So there's that factor. But then also Marvel does, they do hire a lot of people don't have a ton of experience. I think they probably do it somewhat to keep costs down sometimes. And I also think James Gunn is just more well-suited for these kinds of movies than even a lot of the really good filmmakers working with the MCU because he's so obsessed with monsters, with sci-fi, with fantasy. He's just, re he's, he reminds me of Guillermo del Toro. This movie actually reminded me of watching The Shape of Water where I was like, oh, this wow. is a filmmaker who is in love with monsters and creatures <laughs> like more than almost anyone else. And when I compare him to like, and some people might be unhappy with me saying this, and I'm sorry, but when I compare him to like Ryan Coogler, who I think is a very good filmmaker and very talented, but I just, when I watch the Black Panther movies, I don't feel that Ryan Coogler is very interested in sci-fi fantasy. I, I think he would be better off if he made more movies like Creed. I think that's just more, I think he's more of a grounded filmmaker. So all the sci-fi fantasy elements in the Black Panther movies feel a little more half-assed because he's just more interested in actors and in commentary and script and things like that. Where James Gunn is the opposite, where he is obsessed with the fantastical. And I think it just makes him really well-suited to make movies like this. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think because like, I mean, Ryan Cooler, I think handles the drama and character stuff in Black Panther really well. And I feel like, I, you kind of feel like he's less interested in the um, final battle type stuff. I mean, everyone criticized that cgi fight between like the two black panthers at the end of the movie and like maybe that's part of he's just not as interested and he um yeah i mean i i feel like i read things too and i can't blame him for what kind of forever because i feel like harder for your heart to be in it too when like i'm assuming he was friends but when your friend dies you have to make the movie and it's like that's gotta yeah. be tough so and i still think what kind of forever is good and i think black I, yeah. panther is good yeah yeah i but i think you're right about james gunn just like loves the uh nerdiness of the whole thing like i mean he's the guy that is pulling from what i understand pulling out all these like obscure marvel characters and like i thought i knew marvel characters pretty well but like when i was a kid i had like a marvel encyclopedia of characters and read a bunch of marvel comic books and like i barely knew who the gardens of the galaxy were and oh I yeah me like, too for sure like i was like who like I, so the fact they were like pretty like early ish on in the mcu maybe mid midway i guess the fact they were going to do that was like Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, Jesus Christ, if I haven't even barely heard of them, like, how's that going to go over? And then, like, it went over really well. So, um, but yeah, I was this one, I, James Gunn. I, there's a lot of, uh, I think you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of practical effects. There's a lot of cool, yes. like, 
uh, uh, costume design and creature design that's uh, looks like it's legitimate. Like they did makeup and costumes on the set. It's not like someone just CGI'd something, um, which is really cool. I mean, that whole the stuff on the living planet, um, Ogothorpe or what is like Ogoscope or uh, I, the, like the the planet that looks like it's just made of like tissue and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Nathan Fillion planet. Yes, <laughs> as it will now be known, Nathan <laughs> Fillion played it, who was great in that whole sequence. Um, I love I love every time somebody does something stupid, he's like, mm, I got one of those too. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably some of the biggest laughs in our theaters when they were talking back and forth. And it was like, I got a dead one. He's like, oh, I got one of those too. Um, <laughs> so he's fantastic. I know him and James Gunn go way back. And uh, But yeah, there's so many cool like creatures in that sequence and like weird background characters. And the whole planet itself like looks... I don't know how much was CGI and how much was practical, but like way more of it than I would expect looked like it was like actual sets, which is uh, and very creative, cool looking stuff. So I, that was a very fun, impressive sequence. And I'm like, oh, James Gunn must have really pushed for this. <laughs> like, Yeah, I just read that uh, apparently the plan was to use the what is that thing called that they make the Mandalorian on and they made Thor love and thunder on that Disney is all oh. about these days. Oh boy. Uh, it's... I want to say it's like the bubble or it's like the movie bubble or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's a whole separate thing. That's uh, no. oh, my mistake. I'm sorry. That's fine. Uh, I, it's not this. <laughs> it's like, like I want to say it's like the rotoscope, but that's not it. <laughs> like it's uh Oh my God. I'm Googling it. Cause um, I am too really going to bother me. Um, yeah, they shoot like they're in love with the thing. They shoot everything on it. Um, oh God, this is always great podcasting. We start Googling things. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. It is the, it just says industrial light and magic stagecraft. Oh, is it called? I think it's called stagecraft. I think it's okay. Okay, that sounds right. <laughs> sure, let's go cool. with that. <laughs> okay, so back back to I found, this point's not even going to be worth it after all that buildup. Um, <laughs> it was supposed to be filmed on that, which, by the way, I fucking hate that thing. It is the worst. It makes everything <laughs> look bad. And like that's one reason that I was so in love with Andor is the filmmakers behind Andor were like, no, we're not using that thing. We're going to use sets and locations. We're going to make this movie look, th this TV show look good. <laughs> um, but James Gunn said the reason that they weren't going, they, they couldn't do it is because the, his sets were too big, which I love. He's like, what I'm doing is too big for your shitty stagecraft thing. <laughs> um, so it yeah. looks like Thor, Love and Thunder looks like garbage. And this movie looks amazing. So Disney just, I real I'm sure it's cheap. That's probably why. And they overworked the CGI artist to make it look halfway decent. I'm sure, but it's the worst and they need to retire it. <laughs> I know they use some of it in the Batman um didn't they I, okay well, i love the way the batman looks see and yeah I didn't think, it's okay i didn't and that was trying that was like a gotcha moment i just think it's funny that like because you're right it has looked kind of bad in some mcu stuff and some star wars stuff but like i've seen behind the scenes stuff of the batman they used it and i feel like it looks really good there um especially i think where i saw it a lot was the scenes where batman and catwoman are on like that um building the skycraper is being built and there's like the sunset or something in the back or sunrise yeah. in the background and i think that's all stagecraft so oh, I don't all right well know I, you know they... matt reeves is a good filmmaker he figured it out taika watiti didn't figure it out so that's why that's why i feel like stagecraft can be used well and i like i'll take it over complete i guess like just green screen background but it's you know i'd rather of course always be in like a real set or some kind of location that actually was built because just it's always going to feel more tactile and real and just a cooler, you know, it's just, it's just better. That's, <laughs> that's all. Yeah. I don't remember how we got on this. Uh, 
about the 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 living planet that he oh, he yeah. said he had to be on a set. The set was too big and they couldn't use stagecraft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that living planet's very cool. <laughs> we did go a long way on that stagecraft thing to be like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's cool. Um I all the stuff there is great. I uh well I guess now okay, there's some spoilery stuff. The stuff that you mentioned earlier when I was like, ah, I don't want to say spoilers yet. Um the opening sequence with Adam Warlock is so intense. Yes. Um because Okay, this is a, a great talking point because I walked into Guardians 3 thinking anybody could die in this movie. At any moment they could die cuz my if I was placing money, if I was in Vegas, I would say Rocket's 100% dead. I would say Drax. Ooh, I would not have. I they I guess maybe they tease it too much cuz I there was um how did they oh man, there was something that led me to this and I can't even think what it was that it was like Rocket's going to die. There was a whole sequence. It's in the trailer. It's in the movie still where you see Chris Pratt like screaming. And it looks like he's at like a uh, operating table or something. Um, and I'm like, well, somebody's dying there. <laughs> and uh, Dave Batista has openly talked about how he wanted Drax to be killed off. So my money was like they could kill Rocket or Drax or both. I was like, I I just expected somebody to die. And the opening uh, starts off like. Jesus, they could kill somebody right now. You know, it was like they could kill Drax off right away. Like, I didn't know what to expect from because like all bets were kind of off because I knew this was like the final uh, part of this trilogy and James Gunn's leaving. So there was that element of like kind of made it more fun and more nerve wracking because at any moment I thought they kill any of the people off like and on the living planet part where Drax gets shot a couple times and he acts like it's like he's like fatal blows. And I'm like, are they killing him here? So the whole movie, I'm constantly like, are they going to kill somebody? Like, it's like, I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time, like thinking they're going to kill a character. And we already in spoilers. Like shockingly, nobody dies. <laughs> like of the, no, of the, yeah. Like, of the guardians, which would, would blew me away at the end. I was like, wow, they all made it. I was shocked. So I don't know if you had those thoughts going in, if anybody was going to die or somebody was going to die. Yeah. For some reason, it seemed to be the main thing everyone was talking about going to this movie, which I didn't really understand. Like I saw, youtubers posting videos that were like ranking the guardians of the galaxy characters on chances of death and i was like <laughs> come on really like, we're really pulling for content here a hundred years of cinema and this is what we're going to talk about in our videos please don't criticize my youtube video <laughs> that's how i start my youtube channel is i was like ranking the guardians on chances of death. <laughs> take your place your bets um, um but uh but you know i knew yeah sure some of the characters could die they were really selling that this was a finale I really didn't think it was going to be Rocket for the business reason of Rocket is the easiest character to bring back if the actor doesn't come back because that's, you can always CGI him and have a, a character kind of have an actor kind of sound like Bradley Cooper, like like Adam Sandler in Hotel Transylvania Four. <laughs> um, I I thought Dave Batista could die because um because uh he said that he's not going to come back and he doesn't yeah. want to play superheroes anymore so it's like and i thought when he was getting shot he might die there i mean there's very much a scene where i thought star lord was gone and oh, i yeah. hated that scene because i did not want star lord to die i love star lord i love him and when i thought he was going to die i was broken hearted and when they oh i mean this this is almost jumping into a, like a whole other theme of the movie <laughs> that i love mm -hmm. but i love how he doesn't die and that Adam Warlock, he's like a villain in this movie. He's the reason that they have to save Rocket. He's the one that almost fatally injures Rocket. And they show him mercy. They decide not to kill him. And then Adam Warlock is the one that saves Star-Lord. And that 
there's a lot there's actually you know not to get too serious on, on a movie podcast but there's a lot of things in this movie that hit me really hard emotionally based on personal things and things going on in the world and i started thinking about the terrible subway murder that happened just recently mm-hmm. and how we're just not it feels like in our society we are not interested in mercy and we're not interested in giving people second chances or anything and if somebody is desperate and is hungry and is being annoying that like it's better to just choke them out and it's crazy to me and it's so depressing and that this movie is saying like even though this person we see him as an enemy we're gonna we're not gonna kill them we're gonna save them and that's the thing that saves them right back i just thought that was beautiful like there's so many just beautiful themes going on in this movie yeah that's oh wow that's that's a great point and i hadn't even like kind of linked it to real world stuff but obviously that stuff's on uh a lot of our minds right now and yeah like that's the the mercy aspect um is again these like big themes i didn't expect to come out of guardians 3 thinking about these like heavy big things (laughs) like um and yeah i mean that the mercy thing kind of happens again too um with uh the high evolutionary where rocket doesn't kill him although question unless i missed something because he kind of just batman begins him where he's like that's exactly what i thought (laughs) i'm not gonna kill you but i don't have to save you I was like, oh, that's nice. He didn't kill him. I'm like, wait, they just left him on the exploding ship. So he kind of died anyway. Right? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, he Batman begins him. He just kind of was like, I won't kill you, but I'm not going to help you. Bye. And they run Which off. like, seriously, you cannot let Raza Ghul live and you cannot let the high evolutionary oh. live. Like these guys have to go. They are yeah. way too dangerous. <laughs> he is a, I mean, I, somebody, a few people mentioned this about this villain, high evolutionary. Um, and he, I, he's just a complete evil bastard, like psychopath. And there's no, sympathy to him which i kind of appreciate a lot of people were like i appreciate this is not one of those villains where we're trying to build up like oh he's sympathetic like no he's just awful you know what i mean <laughs> like i know yeah. we're talking about mercy and stuff right now but but he's done nothing in the movie that um would you know deserve anybody to help him because he's been a monster the whole time um and yeah but i mean at least it's like well rocket was like what does he say like uh he's not gonna, i'm not gonna do it because i'm a guardian of the galaxy or something and like yeah um I mean, I do love oh, there's so many like random like kind of themes that I love. And like, yeah, the one thing you said about the the Adam Warlock, like it comes back to save them in the end that they don't kill him because um, he's just a guy who's like been created and he's mixed up in all the stuff and his mom just died. And, uh, you know, he's like kind of lost and, um, you know, doesn't really know what he's doing. So they show him mercy and ends up paying off. Um, I was worried they were going to kill peter quill there and like uh it's weird to call star lord like um but i thought to myself and i brought this to my friend and he was oh yeah it's weird because i think this is the first guardians movie um where they haven't mentioned his like celestial powers like his like godlike powers that's true because i thought well i mean they got rid of it at the end of guardians 2 he doesn't have it by the end of that movie oh that's right because kurt russell dies and that's the source of power oh okay I forgot all about that. I apologize. <laughs> like that no, I never watched good. too. Um, because okay, so he doesn't have that anymore. And then he doesn't have his helmet, which apparently bo- I, that didn't bother me a lot. But I saw people online like, "Why does he have his helmet?" And James Gunn had to like answer the question on Twitter. It's like he got he had to take <laughs> off pretty quickly in the movie, and he didn't grab it. It was in it was on nowhere. Like he didn't grab the helmet. <laughs> people are always um, getting up in arms about helmets. Like oh, I'm so mad Kylo Ren got his helmet back. I'm so mad Star Lord doesn't have his helmet. Like calm down <laughs> about helmets, people. It's not a big deal. 
people love helmets. I don't tell you. So, <laughs> or they hate uh, helmets, depending. Or they do. I, that was the only moment I thought about it, I think. I was like, oh, can he just activate his helmet? And I was like, oh, I guess he doesn't have it. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay, well, um, that's it. So um, that makes more sense. Because I was like, yeah, why doesn't he have his godlike powers? So thank you for reminding me. Because I, yeah, that... Um, and that happens, and I was like, oh, God, are they going to kill? We're so close. Like, don't kill anybody, please. I really didn't want it to happen, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad it didn't. I kind of love, like, I don't think they outright say it, but the fact that, like, Rocket goes back to face the High Evolutionary by himself, but then he's not alone because he has these, like, friends who are, like, there's his family now who help him, and um, I was like, oh, this movie's more about family than Fast and the Furious now, I think, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, this is a lot more effective at doing that too. I was gonna say, <laughs> it's just <laughs> that's been the theme, I think, really, of these whole movies is a bunch of like outcast mis misfits who found each other and formed like a family unit. And the fact that it kind of ends on that note, I thought was still pretty beautiful. Like, that if Rocket was alone, he would have been killed, but because he has these people that you know that love him and they're like his friends and family, that that they kick, they kick the guy's ass, <laughs> and it's like he's not alone, like, he's okay, like, uh. Um, and I just thought that was all the, the, the theme works very well throughout the whole, all the movies where it's like, it's like, we're all a bunch of like angry loners and now we've come together and we're better than before and, um, are better people and all that. And, um, yeah, I just, I just loved how it all kind of, uh, yeah, kind of pulled that back together. But, um, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling now, but was there anything? Oh, no. Yeah. Are there particular things you want to bring up? Because I feel like I've just been all, the, all these points I had. But... Yeah. Um, so I, I, have a, I have a dramatic take on the theme of this trilogy, if you want to hear oh. it. Okay. So yes, the <laughs> theme is definitely family. But I also think a theme is a group of misfits band together and fight God. I think oh, wow. <laughs> the, tri the trilogy always seems to be about some kind of God surrogate as the villain, where it's the least obvious in the first movie. Because the villain's ultimately Ronan the, the Accuser, but behind the scenes, Thanos. The second movie, they explicitly call him a god, is is Kurt Russell as... Uh, I can't remember his name, but Kurt oh, Russell. God. Yeah, the, the ego? Ego. Ego, yes. yeah. <laughs> so ego, they explicitly call him a god. And then in this movie, I think this movie is very much a biblical allegory, particularly on Noah's Ark, with God as the villain, which is high evolutionary. And mm -hmm. all of the villains seem to be these very powerful people, beings who consider they and their mission is all for the greater good of the universe in which they are fully in control and individual people are not really a concern. So, or individual creatures, even in terms of this movie, are not a concern because of their ultimate celestial godlike purpose. And... It's always the guardians of the galaxy that stand up and say, no, you can't do that. You're not above anything. And we have to stand up for just normal individual people. Your godlike purpose doesn't matter when it's in conflict with that, which really, really hit me emotionally when I saw this movie, because I grew up uh, evangelical Christian and was that for quite some time because it was kind of all I knew. And and since becoming an adult, I've been running further and further away from it. And I've always found the story of Noah's Ark in the Bible. And I don't mean to, and I, I don't want to be offensive to like anybody's religion, blah, blah. But just remember, I'm not an outsider looking in, like I was deep in this. I've always found the story of Noah's Ark very disturbing. And that it's ultimately about a being a God who creates a world, doesn't do a good job. The world falls apart and he doesn't like it. 
So he decides, well, I'm just going to kill all of them. But it's sort of seen by by in, within the Bible as like an act of mercy that he puts some of them on an ark and doesn't totally kill all of them. But it's still pretty disturbing, I think. And I think that's that's partially what this movie is about, where the high evolutionary is God. He creates a world. He creates counter Earth through all of his experiments. And it doesn't go well in very much the same ways that it didn't go well with Earth in that you've got like sort of your perfect suburbia, but then you've still got people beating each other up for meth and in back alleys. And he decides, well, I'm going to kill all of them then. I'm just going to start over. And it's the Guardians of the Galaxy that stand up and say, no, you can't do that. And that really hit me. I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's, that's my dramatic great... take. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, I hadn't thought about it because I don't have that um, religious upbringing background. And I feel like people that do have that can usually bring a unique perspective that I, cause that I, I kind of, I mean, I thought about him as kind of like a, he has a godlike complex, but I didn't really think about them as like fighting God and like um, all that stuff. I mean, uh, but that's a really, uh, that's a good point. And for the whole trilogy, really, they have been doing that. You're right. Um, cause I feel like they're fighting for like the, the misfits and the outcasts almost, you know what I mean? Like that are like them, you know, and, yeah. and people that are standing out people who are just kind of, uh, you know, think they're better than everybody. You're doing these terrible things. I mean, my God, uh, friggin' the high evolutionary like genocides that whole planet. It's, it's like it's it's disturbing, like because we we've seen these like uh, animal kind of hybrid creatures on Counter Earth. Like they they seem relatively nice, even though the Guardians come on and kind of uh, act like assholes at first. <laughs> like, uh, but you know that one woman i don't know what creature she's mixed with like gives them her car and it like brings them into her house and is nice to them and then we have to watch all these people on this planet get like slaughtered and that's one that's one of the times i thought man this movie is really dark at certain points it's like yeah, it really um, goes for it yeah it, there's some really dark stuff like that i mean the whole rocket backstory but i was thinking like that i think the point james gunn is trying to make is i, I think i don't know i'm just guessing here but that 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 bad, terrible things happen, you know, all the time, unfortunately. Cruel things happen to people, but I it's about how people can react to them or kind of go against them. Like the thing with Rocket, especially, is like how he reacts to that trauma that's happened to him is like to be very angry and um kind of closed off, but then finally kind of works through it by the end of this movie and like just kind of saying like, yes, bad things are going to happen. I'm going to show you the really bad, cruel things that happen. I'm not going to shy away from this, but like, there's also a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel type thing. There's a positive side to it. Like you can get past it. Um, especially if you like open yourself up to friends and family who can help you. If I can get too deep on Guardians of the Galaxy for a second. <laughs> but... Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. This is like what I and a ton of other people always say about It's a Wonderful Life, where the reason that It's a Wonderful Life works and is so sentimental by the end is because it puts you through so much darkness first. If it was just yes. schmaltzy, that ending would not work. You wouldn't care. You've got to put characters through some dark shit in order to really get people emotionally invested. You've got to do it. You can't, like I said before, you cannot build a universe on fluff. People will not stay interested. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You need some substance, I feel like. And uh, yeah, this one, I mean, they really, he like puts all on the table. And I wonder if there's a part of it that's like, I'm not doing any more of these. I'm literally leaving Marvel for DC. So I wonder if he felt like he could kind of not do whatever he wanted, but that he kind of had like leave it all on the table or like he just kind of was like, well, I can... 
I've really got to go out with a bang. You know what I mean? <laughs> like to put every put everything into this because I this is my last shot at this. Um, because I doubt he'll come back if he's running DC. Like I can't imagine a scenario where he's like, I'll just back direct another Marvel movie, you know? <laughs> so um I feel like he just puts it all into this one and it worked really, really well. I um I'm still looking at my notes here because I there's so much more. It's funny we talked for so long and I feel like there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> oh my god, there's so much. It's two and a half hours. There's so much going on. <laughs> it went by I fast wanna... though, I thought the two and a half hours. I oh thought. my god, super yeah. I never <laughs> felt it ever. And, and yeah. except when I had to go to the bathroom, but then I was good. <laughs> you were like, shit, why is this so long? <laughs> no. <laughs> um sorry what were you um, going to say, if you're to say yeah, I, I do want to shout out the actor who plays the high evolutionary who is chud uh chuck woody iwuji um i actually looked up interviews so that i could know how to say his name but pretty much everybody calls him chuck and he says you oh, can okay. call me chuck so i feel like we can just call him <laughs> chuck um but I, I don't think i've ever seen him in a movie before uh but he's apparently a shakespearean actor which i feel like you can kind of tell he's got that kind of an energy to him and i thought he was fantastic and somebody on Twitter recently made a point that like, hey, I know a lot of us are pissed off at, you know, Marvel phase four or whatever, but a lot of the best MCU villains have come out post Endgame. And I think that's true. There've been a lot of really good villains over the past few movies. Maybe not like the past few, but like overall since Endgame. And I think he's another one. And he's one of those villains who, like you said, works because you hate him so much. Like he is one of the most hateable villains. And I, I thought it really worked. Yeah, I, I he was really good. I agree. He really like has a presence um, in command. Like the Shakespearean thing makes total sense now that you're saying. It. I'm like, I get that. I get that from him. Um, also, I, I'm going to forget it's a small moment. I laugh. Uh, great visual gag. When I think one of the first times we see him, he's going up to Elizabeth Debicki's character, who's oh. Adam mom, <laughs> and they roll like a little uh, box out in front of her for him to stand on so he's taller than her. <laughs> I love that. It's also a great gag on um, all of the filmmakers who have tried to make Elizabeth Debicki look shorter than she is, uh, where it's yeah. just like they just make a joke out of this weak guy who can't stand that he's shorter than Elizabeth Debicki. It's so great. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that was that was good. That was a good visual gag. Like she's on the movie very much, but um, they make the most of it, I think. And uh, that was a great gag that I thought went over like a lot of the theater didn't like laugh at that gag. I was like, oh, it's a great gag. Come on, guys. Like, you got this, like, it's like, why is someone laughing? Um, and I was thinking about this too. Like, uh, this is, I know everyone complains about Marvel movies being like, oh, it's always blue sky beam stuff, but this is not, <laughs> this is not blue sky beam stuff. This is like the Guardians just trying to save a bunch of people, which is the finale, is the, yeah. which is nice. I feel like, I mean, that's happened in their MCU movies, but like, um, usually there's like some, other thing going like i think uh isn't that how age of ultron kind of is going like they're kind of floating above the earth and they're trying to get people off the the plot but like yeah uh, i believe so but i think this works well in guardians because like the whole movie is i think like with the themes we're talking themes a lot it's like trying to do good and i feel like that they don't want to leave anybody behind those kids they find he's experimenting on they get them off and like rocket like goes back for the animals specifically um he's like i won't leave anybody behind again um that moment but I was is just amazing like, oh it's <laughs> it's so good it was it was refreshing i was like okay this is like i know we've kind of seen this kind of thing before we're saying people but i just thought it was nice that it goes with the theme of like we're, we're just trying to help people and do good and like you know get these people off of this you know ship that's about to blow up basically and like um the god i'm sorry i'm all over the place now but the stuff 
more stuff that just killed me emotionally. So the stuff with Drax kind of like relating to those kids that they find and like, oh my god, <laughs> like goofing off and like speaking their language and like the line that killed me, maybe anything else in the movie, um, that I oh got, I might get to thinking about it, is when I think Mantis says to Drax after the end, if they've saved everybody, is like, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, what I, when I saw you today, those kids, I realized you don't have to be Drax the story. You can be like Drax the dad, because we forget, I think he lost that a long time ago. His wife and daughter were killed. And it was just, again, saying like, these characters don't have to be like this one thing, or you can be more than what you think you can be, basically. Like he's been all... Well, he's been full of rage too for the whole trilogy, you know. And it's like he's funny, but we forget he has this tragic backstory. And when she was like, "It's like you don't have to be a story; you can be a dad." I was like, "Oh, it's like I got to get it for Clint." It was, I just thought it was a beautiful little moment that I had to mention. Oh yeah, me too. I love when when none of the characters can connect with those kids, and then he's able to do it by making funny monkey noises. And <laughs> let, let me tell you, man, I saw myself there because I have a little baby, and when you have a baby, you will do any stupid ridiculous humiliating thing to make that baby smile or maybe even laugh um so i was like yeah like this is my life like just making dumb noises and faces to make this kid smile at me um so that hit me for sure and the drax you were meant to be a dad which you forget that like yeah he started out as a dad and he lost that and to pull him back around to that is amazing like the way that this movie brings all the characters back full circle and completes that arc. Unbelievable. So good. Yeah. I think I think it is out like in real time, but the, the theme, another theme, there's so many themes is that it's like, you're not defined by one thing and you, you don't have to, Oh, I just had, I kind of lost it. Like you, you don't have to be, uh, or you're not defined by your pain. That's what I was trying to say. That's what I was trying to say. Cause like rocket has been defined by that tragedy that happened to him this whole time. And he's trying to move past that. And Drax has been defined by losing his wife and daughter and then working past that. And now if he takes care of these kids, like they kind of set up, like that's him moving past that. And then Peter kind of going back to Earth and confronting his past and, and going and not running. They're all kind of running from something. It really yeah. it's like uh, and they all kind of stop and confront it, which I was thinking, too, I'm glad nobody died because this is a that's kind of an easy cop out sometimes to be a, a dramatic like. Uh, device is like we just killed a character and it's really sad everyone's sad about it and you know um but it's almost harder and i'm more impressed to not kill anybody and then do these other things with them like give like give them other things to do besides just kill them like rocket now leads the guardians at the end of the movie drax is gonna like help people on this planet instead of destroy things peter's gonna go home and reconnect with his grandfather and like um they all have their own things to do afterwards it's not like it's just some thing where James Gunn was like, I'm just going to kill people off and it'll be really dramatic and I'll leave them. You know, it's like he gives them these other things to do, which I appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Like when I thought Star-Lord was going to die, it felt so wrong because like this is not this is not where his story is leading. So I'm so glad that didn't happen. Um, I got to talk about Chris Pratt. So okay. I think Chris <laughs> Pratt in this movie, I think this is one of the great MCU performances, like one of the top. I think he is spectacular in this movie it's such a great performance he's so charismatic he's such a movie star and i know look for some people like to make fun of chris pratt and actually it seemed like a lot for a while a lot of people were him because he was like oversaturated and i looked at his filmography and it's not that big 
I was kind of surprised. I was like, he's not in very many movies. So it's kind of weird. Um, it seemed like he just popped really quickly and then was suddenly in a lot of movies. But um, he is, I think he has a real movie star presence. And it's something that the MCU keeps losing, which it makes me a little worried for the future because it seems like they keep losing the people that have the real star power. And then they've only got the people that don't quite have it. Um, and he's one of those, I think is amazing in this. I love how he is, he thing he is, he, the thing that he is defined by is the loss of Gamora. And it would have been another easy thing would have been so easy for James Gunn to take the cop out that Endgame gave him of Gamora's back. And if he had done that, I probably would have been fine with it because I love Gamora. And honestly, my number one MCU romance I care about is Star-Lord and Gamora. They're my favorite couple in the MCU by far. And if it just brought them back together, I would have been happy. But it would have been the lazy way to do it. And they he did not take the cop out at all. And instead had this movie talk about the way people grow apart and fall out of love and that that can be okay. And the line that Drax says where maybe you need to learn to swim holy shit like gut punchable <laughs> line yeah oh man yeah i forgot about that line but that that is pretty great and yes you i'm so glad you brought this up because this is a whole topic i had wrote i kind of wrote my note was just like gamora storyline where do you what do you think about where they leave her basically what they do with her um it doesn't take the easy way out because the easy way would be like oh uh you know you fell in love with me once we could do it again and then by the end movie she falls back in love with him um doesn't happen <laughs> like uh she's a different person with a different thing going on and i think she likes him by the end movie i don't even mean like him like likes him like romantically just thinks like you're a good guy basically is where kind of yeah, she it. respects like, him by the end yeah like you guys are cool i like you i helped you but i'm my family is the ravager so i'm gonna go back to them um which is more honest than if she was like you know what i do love you again <laughs> like um that would be a lot and uh it is like a whole metaphor, I think, for relationships and growing apart and needing to move on from people. Like, even if you had like a great thing in the past, sometimes it's like it's in the past, you know, move on. It's like a obviously that situation is like different and weird because of time travel and things. But but just the idea of, you know, that that kind of being a metaphor for that. And it's, yeah, again, not the easy way out, which I appreciated. Yeah. And the, her final moment going back with the Ravengers kind of blew me away because Star-Lord has that moment where he's like, you're not a real Ravenger. Those aren't your people. I'm a Ravenger. And he's wrong because when she goes back, you're like, oh, she has found community. And we kind of discount that because we're like, no, the, the Guardians are their, her, her community, but not for her. That's not really true. And like, these are her people and we shouldn't want her to lose that. Really impressive. Really yeah. good stuff. <laughs> yes. Another, yeah, just never taking the... Uh the obvious or easy way is <laughs> like that happens in the movie a lot too. Um, and if you could choose to hang out with Sylvester Stallone, you would take it for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. My God, ask Ken, <laughs> he would be there in a heartbeat. He, it's his favorite, <laughs> his favorite guy on the planet. Um, uh, the thing with Mantis and Drax is, is tough, but like, uh, I appreciate the, uh, cause they are the great pairing. I don't, it's never, I don't think it's ever romantic. I don't read it that way, but it's like, they're like good friends who rag. Oh, I feel other. like they're besties. I love them. Oh yeah. They are hilarious together. Their stuff is great. I love their stuff, but, um, that hurts too. When she's like, I gotta leave. And he's like, I'll go with you, protect you. And she's like, no, like, no. And he clearly wants to go with her, but she has to go do her own thing. Cause she's never really been on her own. It's, I, it's a shocking amount of, character development and growth for what people like i know kind of 
slag on the MCU, MCU, yeah, MCU movies for um, this has it in spades for everybody. It's like it's just it's a lot going on. That's why I think these are so special. It's like we've had this like time to be with these characters and they've changed and they have arcs and like, uh, you know, we we love them because we've gotten to know them so well. And it's like it's just it's very hard for them to replicate. And that's I think what sets it apart from a lot of the other MCU movies is we don't get this kind of time like with the characters as much if if that makes sense. Yes. So I, I got a couple of questions for you. Yes. First of all, I think I think you've segued into this one quite well. Did you cry in this movie? I got misty. eyed <laughs> I got I got misty eyed uh, at the, the, the Drax Destroyer dad line that I mentioned and the whole I don't the rocket thing was almost so shocking that I feel like I I didn't cry, but I was very like upset if that makes sense i i think i got a little misty eyed there because i was just like oh but it was so it was so brutal and it's so like such a shocking thing even though i kind of expect obviously expected it but it's like it it hurt i was like oh um i think that may have been it i but i felt like emotional the whole time if that makes sense but i i think only a couple times i got misty eyed nice i sobbed Okay. multiple times Fair enough. <laughs> it was like Endgame for me like I couldn't believe another MCU movie could do that to me again um but I was very emotional watching this movie and I have to mention my favorite line in this movie and I'm not sure if this was a cry moment but it was like a true gut punch moment where like a lot of times when people say gut punch it's a little hyperbolic I felt like somebody punched me when <laughs> Rocket said this and it's when when the high evolutionary is like about to die or not be saved, however you want to look at it. And he says, I just wanted to make things perfect. And rocket says, you didn't want to make things perfect. You did things the way they are. That mm. line blew me away. And it was another thing that not to get too serious, but like hit me because of real life things going on. I, if you can't tell, I've been kind of upset about several things going on in the news lately and one of them is all of the legislation being put forth around LGBT people and all the attacks that are going on with that. And that line spoke to this situation so well, where like, there are so many people saying, this is who I am. This is my identity. And then other people say, no, that's not you. You're supposed to be what I tell you you're supposed to be. And if you don't conform to that, there's going to be problems. And having Rocket just say, you don't want to make things perfect. You just hate things the way they are blew me away that's one of my favorite lines i've heard in recent memory yeah and i i'm glad you brought that up because i feel like again I, a line that kind of almost went uh kind of i missed it almost i mean i'm sure i took it in the moment but yeah you saying it and putting that kind of um topical touch on it it does like hit very differently um that's one thing i really wish i could take more notes on was lines because there was a lot of great lines and i was like i'm never gonna remember all of these lines, but but there was a lot of great stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was that was really good. I, uh, man, oh god, there was something else. The rocket thing reminded me of something else he said, but I totally blinking. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it was like, um, there's so much good stuff like that in the movie, though. It's like I just can't believe how much great great lines and great moments there are peppered throughout the whole thing. I just I really loved it. <laughs> So I have another question and it's way less heavy. So, okay. you, so we can all <laughs> relax. Um, so you're a really big action guy. How did you feel about the action in this movie? I liked it. I really liked it. I, uh, especially this is what my notes, uh, the no sleep till Brooklyn fight scene in the hallway. Uh-huh. Pretty amazing. I really enjoyed that. Like, um, yeah, I knew that would be a good Matt scene. 
I really enjoyed that too. <laughs> it was really good. It was very, I felt very, it sounds stupid, comic booky, but I, the moments where it's like you get the poses kind of freezing on the characters, like there's a shot of Rocket like jumping and like you kind of, uh, I think off Groot. It's just like little moments like that. The part where Nebula gets like smacked and kind of like reforms herself is always a cool visual thing. Um, a lot of cool stuff in that sequence. I, uh, yeah, the action was good. I think I just saw one of our friends post on Twitter that uh, there's a female fight choreographer or stunt coordinator. And like, I think Heidi Moneymaker is, I think she's like German, they said, who uh, choreographed the fights. And she did, a, I thought, a really good job. They had like impact. Which is that first one you said? It had a lot of impact because it was very like intense and felt pretty brutal and desperate. Um, so yeah, I thought the action, I thought the action was really well done. So. I agree. I, I feel like the ac action in MCU is improving. And I think it's because like action in general is improving in movies where like, I talked about this a little bit on my, one of my recent episodes where it feels like action is suddenly becoming like this art house genre where it's suddenly it's this highly respected artistic thing where it used to be like more looked down upon and more seen as cheesy or whatever. But when you look at some post end game movies, like you've got Shang-Chi, which I think I think has pretty awesome fight scenes. I thought Spider-Man No Way Home had some really good action scenes. Uh, there's a really cool fight scene between Benedict Cumberbatch and Chuelto Ejiofor in uh, Multiverse of Madness. Oh yeah. I thought Quantum Mania <laughs> had some good action scenes. I'm sure some may disagree. Um, <laughs> and then, but this movie, like I said at the beginning, felt like another step up. Like it felt like there was a sense of danger, a sense of visceralness to the hits that felt like kind of new for the MCU. Really, really impressed me. Yeah, I think that kind of goes along with my thing too that i felt like the whole movie had this like harder edge to it again like pushing that p13 because i felt like the action was pretty intense uh to your point so um yeah i really liked it i uh i hope they keep getting better with the action like i hope they don't especially they got blade coming up some point eventually that movie eh, sort delivered. of sort of who knows uh again it just got like, delayed because the writer's strike. Writer strike it's like comical at this point it's like oh it shut down again okay we'll see blade in uh six years probably um, it's the new but... new mutants oh god <laughs> oh don't even don't put that evil blade. <laughs> like, um but i hope they can like that's when i feel like you have to nail the action i hope uh it's just you know so yeah this was this was good it was really well done i uh yeah i mean just that that the song choice and the way he decided to shoot that sequence in the hallway was probably my definitely my favorite uh action beat of the whole movie um and i a question speaking of the kind of speaking of the action um what it's not it's not really a nitpick it's more like a i don't know we'll see uh so <laughs> the the bad guy is set up high revolutionary is set up as this very powerful like gamora seems like scared of him she's like you'd not go after him he's very dangerous but then they kick his ass really easily at the end and i thought is he only dangerous because he has lots of cool like gadgets and equipment and weapons and an army but when he's one-on-one -on -one, he's not anything did you did that did you think about that at all or was that just me <laughs> like that... i didn't think of it of that and it may have been just because i hated him so much i was just so desperate to see his ass get beat <laughs> so when his ass is getting beat i'm like hell yes I've, i'm not even thinking about anything else but that that's a pretty good point i mean it very well may be that they're she's just talking about like dangerous uh politically or or things like that but um you might have a good point there, actually. I didn't think about <laughs> yeah. it. And she might have just meant because I mean he we show we see how much stuff he has. Like he has that like pyramid shaped, like half a planet sized ship and has this army and um but I guess it's one of those villains, maybe it's like one on one when you fight them, they're not that 
<laughs> they're not that scary, but um, has all the stuff at his disposal. But when it's just him, he's you know not that tough. But um, God, that was a that was a brutal scene too. When I that might have been what made that family of the theater is when Rocket jumps on his face after he kills. Uh, you know all the the friends oh, of his yeah. starts tearing his face. I was like, oh my god! And when they show his face without like the the pasted over face, so it's like he's like the red skull, but it's like his nose yeah. is missing. I was like, oh, this is that was a moment where I thought, God, this is really pushing. Like this is this is rough for like especially like, little kids. I'm like, oh, because that's uh he didn't he didn't shy away from showing how messed up that was. <laughs> no, he looks like Victoria in the Terrifier movies. Oh god. <laughs> oh he does yeah that's uh that was james gunn's uh old horror stuff coming out i'm pretty sure oh for <laughs> like, sure i loved that i, I, mean, I, I don't know how cool. i would have felt if i was there with like my nine-year-old kid like i i don't know but for me i loved that <laughs> yeah i mean i try to think of this from both perspectives because like I, it's just me i'm fine i'm an adult you know seeing the movie but like i, I could imagine if i brought my kid if we'd seen other mcu movies together and they're like i don't know seven eight nine i brought them to this one there's some stuff i don't know if a kid it depends on the kid too like could they handle it i wouldn't want them to see it mostly just i mean even the heaviness of what happens to to rocket is like even if it's not even like the violence of it it's the it's the the cruelty of it you know what i mean it's like the feeling of it is so terrible that it's like oh my god if i was a kid i think i'd be like emotionally devastated i mean i was an adult emotionally devastated by it so it's like as a kid i'm like could i could i even handle that it was just it's just there's some stuff that it's not even so much about what you see it's just about how bleak and cruel it can feel but again i think it comes back around to like the feeling of yes there's very bad things that happen to people but it's like how do they get past them and you know it's not always going to be bad basically yeah and you know i i We've said already that like, uh, you know, the PG-13 rating means, you know, 13 and over, but Marvel's definitely trained you to think that like, this is fine for my kids. That's, that's how pretty much all those movies are. So I could sympathize with some parents, you know, going in just totally expecting it to be like other Marvel movies. And it's not like I saw one critic who I follow tweeting and, and he gave the movie a very positive review, really liked it, but also said, I'm not taking my kids to this movie. Like he said, I think he said like my oldest is 11 and they're not old enough. And I remember thinking the same when I saw in 2016, when I saw both Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad. And I'm like, these are PG-13? Like, I don't think you can take kids to these movies. So oh God, I, I forget the first Suicide Squad was PG-13. I thought it was rated R, yeah. but wow. And there's like a scene where like Harley Quinn's like pole dancing on a guy and then the guy flirts with Harley Quinn and then Joker shoots that guy in the head. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like people are going to take their kids <laughs> to this thinking it's a Batman movie. Yeah. P13 has the widest range of stuff they can get away with. Like, I it's like I don't know where the 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 kind of barometer ends and begins. Like this, like you and I have both seen the Magnificent Seven remake. Speaking of yes. Pratt, which I Love really that. like, but my God, it it is so violent. It's like, pure carnage. <laughs> <laughs> like, I cannot believe that it. Um, and the fact that it like it very. Uh, just kills off these characters like so brutally it's just oh it's such a brutal movie but um so yeah peter teen's a weird rating it's like such a wide like net that it's casting so I, it's kind of hard to they almost need like i, I don't want to really advocate for another rating but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like they almost do need another one i don't know it's weird it's just but yeah it's uh they have really set up the marvel stuff to be kind of you know uh yeah fluffier overall like um 
even when they've dealt with like heavier stuff, it's like there's just a different feeling to parts of Guardians of the Galaxy three where it's like, man, this is rough. Like, you know, it's just like this is brutal. But, um, you know, I I loved it. I thought it all paid off. So I thought it was fine. <laughs> so I just thought it was worth talking about. But um, I think the solution is you don't need another rating. You just need to start using the PG rating more because it, yeah. it feels right now like there's an idea that if you rate a movie PG, no adult's going to go see it. So you can't rate a movie PG. So like, there's really no reason for like, say Thor Ragnarok to be PG 13. Like Thor Ragnarok could easily be PG. I mean, like that could be PG and this could be PG 13 and problem solved, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> That's true. I know. I, yeah, I've heard that before. Like studios don't want to put a, a PG on a, any kind of movie that's even remotely aimed at adults. Cause I think everyone just automatically says, Oh, that's for children, you know? And then it's funny cause the G rating is barely even used anymore. Oh like yeah. Was... PG is for Pixar and G is for nothing. Weird. <laughs> it's like nobody gets G in it. Like if it's for G, it's like for, it's for babies. Apparently <laughs> it's just for toddlers. I don't know. But, um, the, yeah, the rating system is weird, but anyway, um, uh, a couple things, and this is more things I just thought about and, not big deals. I'm just curious to take on them. So Peter's talking about how he hasn't been back to Earth to see anybody or uh, anything. But he was on Earth at the end of Endgame because he gets taken through the portal. Mm, yes. So I guess besides <laughs> that, he's like, right. I didn't go I visit just... anybody. I just left after that. <laughs> I, I just thought it was interesting because I'm like, again, we, we don't really see much of. Because Endgame kind of ends with. Tony's spoilers. Uh, Tony Stark died. Wait, what? Movie. I know. Listen, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like if he spoilers for even like the biggest movie of all time, you're like spoilers, everybody. Um, you know, Tony Stark. Spoilers. Dies. Jake Sully stays with the Navi. That's how we got Avatar too. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, and then, but I thought about this with Endgame. Like, I kind of am upset we didn't get like a like a fun, like almost like celebration scene, like an end of Return of the Jedi type situation uh, where it's like we celebrate the victory because Tony Stark dies and we cut like a meeting to his funeral. So we don't get to see the characters like interact in any kind of like way of, hey, we won. It's just like, oh shit, uh, you know, funeral. Uh, so I was thinking about that. I was like, because Peter's like, I'm pretty sure he says I've just never been back to Earth. And I'm like, well, you were back on Earth, but um I'm, I mean, I'm not making they could have just been like, oh, well, he had to get back to some other thing. So he couldn't stay and see his grandpa. But I just thought it was another thing where I kind of was like, oh, that's weird. But who knows? James Gunn didn't write Endgame, so it's not his fault. So, no, that's a good um, point. I didn't. That's another thing I didn't think about. Um, I love that uh, we heard Groot speak because I I I feel dumb because I didn't think of it this way. The people were like. Uh, no, we just finally understand Groot. That's why we hear him say, I love you guys at the end. I was like, oh, I he spoke. I don't think so. I think he I think he decides to speak English for that moment. Okay, now this is okay. This is a good point in debate then. Because I, when I left, I, I thought that too. But people online were saying like, they think that their theory was that we just finally understand it. Because the whole thing with Gamora the whole time being like, you guys don't understand him, right? You know, it's like no one understands him. But then we're part of the the gang or something we understand him and then the fact that nobody reacts to him speaking a different language in the scene which kind of tips off like he didn't change anything we just understand him which, which i thought was interesting i don't know you may be right but i thought it was an interesting thing that was pointed out that i didn't really catch 
Yeah, it never occurred to me. I don't know. That kind of strikes me like people who say that Alfred hallucinated Bruce Wayne at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Like oh I, I say, like <laughs> the movie gives you no indication that there's anything surreal going on. Like the movie Dark Knight Rises is an extremely straightforward movie. They're just showing you what he sees. And I would say the same thing here where he's not giving you indi any indication that the perspective is changing or anything. I think oh, Groot, because yeah. Groot is a language. So I think he just speaks a different language for that moment. I, I mean, I should have asked James Gunn on Twitter because he was taking questions this weekend about Guardians Damn of the Galaxy 3. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he literally said, like, I'll answer any questions about, oh, he said yes or no questions about Guardians 3. Go ahead. So um, maybe another time. I'm sure we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. But I thought, it was, I think I was more with you. And then someone said that. And I was like, maybe? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, God, I think I'm almost out of notes. I guess the only other thing I had was, are you interested in like a new Guardian scene? Is they set up a new Guardians led by Rocket at the end. Um, does that interest you at all? Or are you kind of like, no, nah, I'm good? <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm good either way, honestly. Like, okay. I. I don't know, like a lot of people say like, oh, things should end here. But then I would say, well, we got good movies after this. So, I mean, a lot of people would say you should have just left Psycho as it is. But then Psycho 2 is great. Um, a lot of people said you need to just leave Toy Story with Toy Story 3. But Toy Story 4 is great. So I want them to leave it here if the next movie is bad. But if the next movie is good, I don't want them to leave it here. So that's that's basically where I stand. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I was like, okay, I could get behind this team. You still have Rocket and Groot there, which, to your point, is like, oh, yes, the two easiest characters to continue on without the actors. So it's like, keep Rocket and Groot on the team, add new people. Um, and, yeah, I almost, uh, the only other thing I was thinking about, I think you, you kind of turned me around on it, is the Adam Warlock stuff. I thought it was a little half-baked in the beginning, but the way you talked about, again, how it paid off with him saving Star-Lord, I'm like, okay, I'm fine with it. It all that, that almost felt like a thing where it's like, there's too much in the movie, and we have this other character we're trying to work in, but he's like, not in it as much, but he pays off in the end, and it pays off, like you said, with, you kind of turned me around the Adam Warlock thing, because I, I was thinking, like, is this a little too much? Like we're trying to kind of this other character in here, but the way it pays off with him saving Star-Lord and what you said about how they showed him mercy and it paid off for him saving Star-Lord that I'm like, okay, I'm fine with it. But it almost felt like the movie, cause that was a criticism I saw most of the weekend was like, people were saying it was, there was like too much going on. But again, I'm like, well, this is James Gunn's like swan song for the series. So I didn't, I, I didn't really feel that way. I felt like it was all pretty well um, put together. So. I didn't feel that way either. I actually really liked Adam Warlock and I really liked Will Poulter's performance. And, uh, and I liked how, even though he's the first threat in the movie he was always likable to me and I always liked him and even when I questioned like when maybe I shouldn't so I really liked his <laughs> redemption at the end and uh and I thought Will Poulter was really good in the movie um I do want to shout out that um Will Poulter talked about after the he did the movie about how Marvel's fitness expectations are incredibly unhealthy unreal unrealistic <laughs> and he would not recommend anybody do it and oh. I was glad he came forward about that because uh those Marvel guys they're they're getting a little doesn't look healthy. They're getting so big. Um, but I thought Will <laughs> Poulter was really good. I liked him in the movie a lot. Did he get in crazy shape for this? Because I feel like he doesn't even take a shirt off or anything. So it's like, he I think did, it's funny. Yeah. Okay. It's always funny when they like get in great shape and then they never even like, he's like in a, like a, you know, a superhero costume the whole time. A suit, which I don't feel like you even see 
how good a shape he's in, if I remember right. But uh, so I think it's when they make them work out for like almost no reason. It's like, why do I need to get buffed for this? Like, I'm not going to be shirtless the whole time. You could have so. just pulled a Zachary Levi and just had a muscle suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, and then throw I... fits on Instagram reels. Oh, Jesus. God. <laughs> watching Zachary Levi lose his mind in real time. Um, like, <laughs> although if the rocket screwed me over like that, it might've been going crazy too. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like he, uh, yeah, he was, whew, that's a whole different topic. But, uh, I think that was the, that was the, 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 uh, a man realizing, I think my career is kind of done in these, or at least the Shazam is done. So I'm going to be doing like Christian, uh, yeah, movies or something, you know, like those. Yeah, like, he's already done one, and he'll probably. That's, I think, that's where his career is. I headed. think that's the and, path uh, he's. That's headed. probably where he fits. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad because I really, really enjoyed Chuck and liked him on Chuck. I did but, too. I grew up on Chuck. Yeah, I just, uh, and I liked him in the first Shazam. But did you see Shazam two yet? I don't remember. No, I, I literally cannot stand the trailers. It's like the most <laughs> annoying movie I've ever looked at. <laughs> Well, I, I thought it was better than the trailers they put together. Who were the trailers good. together? Felt like they were like trying to sabotage the movie, honestly. But it's not great. I think it came up on that John Wick Four episode with me and James and Andy and Chris. And uh, I don't know. I'd be curious your take on it if you'd actually watch it whenever it hits like HBO Max or whatever. Because I I do think it's better than the trailers they put out for it. But there's a really weird. There's a lot of weird things about it. But there's a, specifically a weird disconnect between like what Zachary Levi is doing as Shazam and then what the kid is doing. Like, and I, I yeah. feel bad I'm blanking the kid's name, like, and the kid's barely in the movie, like as Billy Bastion, like just normal version. He's in someone clocked. I think he has like less than 10 minutes of screen time as, as the kid version. And it's mostly Zachary Levi. And whenever you see him as the kid version though, he's like pretty like well poised and like, you know, like kind of not like he's serious, but he's like, Put to, but then when he's Zachary Levi, he acts like a jackass. So it's like, why does this kid like it's like they didn't even know what the other one was doing. It's very weird. I don't know. But um, that sort of bothered me more and more. I don't talk about Shazam 2 when Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is here. But <laughs> um, uh, I'll see it if uh, if Stephanie wants to watch it because she's a big fan of the first Shazam. So that might happen. OK, did she see Guardians with you? I imagine she did. Right. I'm... No, because she oh. uh, we didn't get a babysitter or anything. She just oh, wants to stay okay. with the baby. I was just curious if like how i didn't know how big a fan she was or how she reacted to it uh she it is funny. a fan but I, I just asked her like do you want to get a babysitter and go see it with me or you would want me to just go see it because i got to see it this weekend regardless and she said no i'll just wait for disney plus oh okay yeah <laughs> which will probably be on in three months so you don't wait that long so i don't know uh, i'm still waiting on quantum mania i want to watch that again and they're they're really i mean it's a good decision but they're not putting things on disney plus as fast oh, as they used to okay, which is a good idea are, but yeah. i don't like it <laughs> They must have learned their lesson at some point. Yeah, um, I think it's very funny. The streamers start to learn like, huh, maybe we should put these things in theaters for longer to earn more money. <laughs> it's like, amazing. A... They were going to dump Evil Dead Rise on HBO God. Max. And now they're made like 100 million in profit. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, I just, yeah. And now everyone's like, oh, my God, they could have put Prey out in theaters. The Predator movie from like last year, I think. And yeah. That probably would have done at least something. That That's the crazy thing. It's like when you don't put it out, you don't get anything. You know what I mean? It's like if you don't so even so weird. Like you could make, you know, I don't know how well Prey would have done twenty million dollars. Hey, that's twenty million dollars. You wouldn't have you dumped it on HBO Max, you know, or <laughs> or wherever Hulu, wherever it landed. You dumped it on um, Hulu. Like, come on. <laughs> so yeah, Evil Dead Rise. I am. I think I think I saw we were pretty far apart on that movie, but at least we're both happy it made money. And I hope there's 
more to come because it showed them like, oh, right, we can make money off this franchise. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't stand by my Evil Dead Rise opinion. I I want to see it again. I think I need okay. to see it again. It, the thing is, like, my expectations were very unrealistic for it. And I kind of <laughs> wish I'd read some reviews first, but I didn't. So I want to watch it knowing what it is. Okay, maybe I can do the same thing with Renfield. And then we can come back and we can Maybe so. re reconvene and figure it out. Um, I, I'm actually out of notes for Garden. Do you have anything else you want to bring up? I still feel like there's more, but I it's just so much to to go through. You know, I have one more thing. The soundtrack. Okay. How'd you feel about the soundtrack? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I like the soundtrack, but I felt like of the three and maybe because it's so fresh. You know what I mean? I've lived with the other ones longer. Um, I felt like it may have hit the least for me of the soundtracks, but. Again, that's that's a thing I think you need time with uh, almost more than anything is to really let the the soundtracks hit. Because I've seen the first Guardians a lot. I don't think I even talked about this earlier in the episode. And I asked you, it's like I I loved the first Guardians when I saw it. Um, uh, loved the soundtrack, like saw that movie, I think at least three times in theaters, like was like in love with that movie. Um, liked two, but didn't love two. I think if I revisit, I think I'd like it more. Um and then this one, I mean, I liked uh, using No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I liked the use of Creep at the beginning a lot. And the whole sequence was great where Rocket's like walking through the the town. Um, I'm blanking on other songs. <laughs> See, this is the problem, too. I'm like, what was on the soundtrack? <laughs> so uh, what did you think of it? <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I'm at a kind of a more of a disadvantage with it because the first two are more 70s music. And I just know 70s music pretty well. And then this is more 90s music, and I don't know 90s music very well. So with the first two movies, I knew a lot of the songs like when I first saw the movie. And that's not the case with this one, except for Creep and uh, Dog Days Are Over, and I didn't know anything else. Okay. Um, so I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot over the past few days. And, uh, and so now I know the songs better, but I don't remember where they're placed. But my favorite song from the soundtrack now is In the Meantime by Space Hog. I don't oh, remember man. where it's from in the movie, but I love it now. That's a good song. See, yeah, I, I'm having problems remembering like where, especially where the songs were in the movie. When I'm reading the list now, I'm like, okay, I remember that song, but like what was going on in the movie at the time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's always good at putting the, the soundtracks together. Um, they've been kind of like one of the staples of these movies. So uh, I sure this one will grow on me the more I uh, can can see it in the movie and everything and i, I was this is another question i guess like i was thinking about this i feel like the guardians movies of all the mcu movies are like the most rewatchable for me and that might come down to the characters i don't know about you like if you had to pick like a a series of mcu movies you've rewatched the most or not or um... i would agree it's these two guardians movies and uh infinity war and endgame which both have guard the guardians in them oh those yeah are the that's... those are all the most rewatchable <laughs> for me that is that's actually probably the my other two as well is because like, I looked on Letterboxd the other day and I was like, wow, I've seen Infinity War and Endgame each like five times, <laughs> but uh, which I was shocked at. Uh, I know at least two of those times were in theaters and I guess three times since, which I was I was surprised by. But because um, that's been that's been my one thing is like I've liked a lot of MCU movies, like I've liked way more than I disliked, but I don't rewatch them very much. And it might be because it might be because they are usually pieces of a larger puzzle so i kind of almost feel like if i watch one i'm gonna go down like a rabbit hole of watching more of them <laughs> but oh, okay the guardians movies feel have always felt like they are 
doing their own thing, even if they are connected to the MCU. Um, that may be why I watch them more. I don't know. Plus, I just really love them. So that helps. So. Yeah, I think I do rewatch Marvel movies fairly regularly, but I think it's also partially because they're rare action movies that Stephanie really likes. So they're rare action movies we can watch together because she's usually not interested in action. So that's probably oh. partially why. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that makes sense. So they are a thing too, like why we'll catch them on TV because they're on TV a lot. And I will always sit down and like watch a few minutes of them at least because they grab my attention. But I rarely ever am like, I'm going to put on, you know, Captain America Civil War or, you know, like just pick well, one out of Yeah, don't put that one on. Yeah. <laughs> that's my hot take. I don't really like Civil War. Oh, wow. Okay. I love Civil War when it came out. Like I, I loved like... it when it came out too, but. I think part of the, my problem with it is it has come to have almost no consequence with the MCU. And I'm like, what was the point of this? <laughs> just to, just to break them up temporarily to get back together. It's like, a, it's like <laughs> the, the moment in a rom-com when there's like a, dis, uh, like a, you know, like, Oh, like what's going on. And they, the montage of sadness, <laughs> the montage of sadness, they break up for like 10 minutes and get back together. So um, just expand that to a bigger thing. And there you are. <laughs> Cause is that like most of the beginning of infinity war is like, you know, he doesn't want to call, captain america and they have to work out their stuff although it's like two lines of dialogue but yeah <laughs> yeah uh so yeah it doesn't pay off super well that <laughs> you mentioned it um yeah i still like that one but the the captain america movies are probably close but otherwise i am not re-watching a bunch of mcu um i no, nah, i was going to ask you about mcu rankings but that that's too deep a rabbit hole to go down that cause... that's another podcast that i would totally do I, yeah that would be a whole other podcast it's just like one of those things though where i'm like I, I feel like as soon as we would do it it'd be outdated because every other marvel movie would be out you know what i mean <laughs> feel <laughs> so, like all the youtubers where you do a new one every single time a new marvel oh, movie God. comes out can't that sounds like that sounds exhausting <laughs> i don't know how they do it they all do it i don't understand i you need you gotta get those clicks you gotta get those views you know it's yeah. like, so um yeah i just i i thought about it but it's like there's a lot of reads like MCU saturation and like I'd have to update it. I'd feel like as soon as a new one came out, I'd be like, oh, my God, I updated that episode. Like I'd have to go back and make a an addendum immediately. Like, oh, where does the Marvels follow my ranking? Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, good question. Are you excited for the Marvels? Uh, you know, after seeing the trailer, I am excited for the Marvels. Nice. I'm excited for the movie, but not for the conversation around it, which is going to be <laughs> hell on earth, I'm sure. Well, that's exactly how I feel. Although I was surprised, and maybe it's like just how my Twitter feed is. When the trailer came out, I don't know how long ago the trailer came out, but like there was way more positivity um, about it than I thought. And people being like, oh, I'm surprised it looks so good. But then I think I saw that maybe the official Marvel YouTube page, it had like a ton of thumbs down. So oh, I'm sure. <laughs> You know, women, I'm right? Sure. Uh, it's like, it's like, oh, these ladies can't be doing stuff in our comic book movies. Uh, like, I don't know who that she guy is. She doesn't like white men. <laughs> it just blows uh, my mind that Brie Larson was like, hey, how about we can get some non-white man critics in here? And it spawned an entire genre of YouTube channels. It's insane to me. She, it's one of, it's a crazy moment that it's like, that it spawned so much hate toward her. Just that one comment. And people not even thinking about it critically at all, just taking it like what you just said, like, oh, she must hate all white men. Like, I don't think Brie Larson hates me. I don't think that's what she said at all. It's like if you're the uh, white men that she hates, there's probably a reason. And it's probably your problem. <laughs> yeah, I got she's I mean, yes, there should be more critics uh, that look different than just white guys. Is that a hot take? I guess it really upsets some people. Um, 
these people can never work like in a real professional environment. These like these are definitely unemployed losers or guys who work at I don't know. I don't even want to say a place because I don't want to put anyone into the bus. Boy, we're gonna get this. Might be our first negative review of this podcast. <laughs> I was thinking oh, like this is one of those things where um, we don't do a lot of new movies. So when you put a new, I imagine some people are like looking for podcasts about a new movie that came out, a big Marvel movie. They might stumble across this one. Hopefully, we haven't upset that. Oh, I mean, if if I upset you, or that upset anybody, then you know, fuck off. I guess. Amen. <laughs> Uh, it's not, it's not that big a deal. There's better things to worry about in the world. I don't know how people have time to worry about these issues when I'm like, I'm just worried about like getting up, going to work, paying my bills, checking out my friends and family. Like I don't have time to make YouTube videos about Brie Larson and what she said. It's like, I just don't, I don't understand these people. Um, oh, well, that's enough of that. Uh, so <laughs> I don't just not be negative, but I, you know, it's, it is what it is. I think, yeah. So, um, it is what it is. I don't know. What can we? What can we do? Uh, I will just, you know. How can <sighs> you stop weirdos from being weirdos? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm give a thumbs down to their YouTube feed <laughs> that now YouTube hides anyway. So I think I don't know. I think they see it, but nobody else sees it. Uh, which I don't know if that helps the problem or not. But <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I I don't know. I'm excited for the Marvels because I I just didn't really. I was like, sure. Um, it was a little bit of Marvel fatigue anyway. And then I saw the trailer. I was like, well, this looks fun. Like, it's like a fun, like, there's a body swapping, like, almost a like, comedy going on. And like, yeah, it's a kind of movie they've never made before. It looks yeah, like at least. Exactly. And I don't, what's even after Marvels? I don't know what's after the Marvels. Do you know? <laughs> I, I think it's Thunderbolts, which I wasn't excited for until I saw the cast. And then I was like, oh man, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, uh, that does seem fun with that uh, that cast. Even like I'm not going to complain about it being the. I don't think it's anything close to like the comic book Thunderbolts lineup, but it's like it's whatever at this point. Like I know what you know MC what the MCU does. So um, with that group, I'm like I'm still excited. So um, sorry now I'm just checking. I'm just now I'm curious because like it's the Marvels and I feel like it's funny because that's in November, right? It's the Marvels. And then I feel uh, like yes. apparently actually before Thunderbolts is Captain America New World Order, oh, that's which I'm, Thunderbolts? Oh. I'm cautious about. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm cautious, too, but I'm more excited because I've always been like a Captain America fan. I am excited to see Anthony Mackie as Captain America. Um, well, I my thing love... is like, yeah, I would be down for Anthony Mackie to just become the new Captain America. But they're taking this weird middle ground where it's like, I'm not going to take the serum and I'm still going to have a Falcon kind of suit. And I think the Falcon suit mixed with the Captain America suit looks pretty dumb. And he doesn't even have like the super soldier serum. So I'm like, I don't know. It's almost like this weird half-assed Captain America. <laughs> uh, I I can see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying. I don't, I don't see a way out of not giving him the serum at some point because yeah. what is he going to do when it's like, he's face to face with these like really intense villains and he's just a guy with a I mean, this falcon suit and a shield it's like um but i guess that people said the black widow and hawkeye were like yeah i guess people? so i don't know it just feels like i think eventually they're going to cave and figure some way around that where they're going to be like ah you got to give him the serum um maybe not i am not as up on um sam wilson as captain america in the comic books like i don't know if in the comics that he gets the serum or not i don't know if he cuz he does take the mantle up in the comics at some point and i don't know if he uh like fully, uh, you know, gets a serum, becomes Captain America. I don't know, but um, I feel like MCU is gonna be like, we gotta just, 
we just got to keep it a secret, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I like the look of the suit, except when the wings come out. It's like, I like the, I think it's a very cool, like clean kind of look, like a good design. Um, but uh, yeah, incorporating the Falcon thing in there is a little weird too. But um, I don't know. I'm curious where that movie goes. Because I, Captain uh, America and Winter Soldier, the show was kind of like, a mixed bag for me. I thought some stuff was really good. And some of the stuff was just kind of, eh, but I thought it like, you know, I, I'm excited to see what they do to expand it basically. So I, I'm kind of with you. I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess I would say. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I don't know what else to say about guardians three, except we both really loved it. It sounds like, which is yeah, great. Cause, uh, I'm glad it didn't suck. We had to sit here and podcast about it. <laughs> just it's my this. favorite movie of the year so far, hands down. Uh, it's only behind one movie for me, which I think. Oh, I know probably... the movie that's better than Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out James Coddington. What's up, man? <laughs> Made it through almost the entire podcast <laughs> without this coming up. I uh, God, I, I want you to know. Um, I told you earlier, but I'm gonna tell you. I was on our friend Larry's podcast, the Real Early podcast, which should be coming out very soon. He brings it up on the podcast. He's like, what's up with this, <laughs> this heat you're getting for Jaws being four and a half stars? And I was like, I don't know, man. I, it's like, I just, it's like, I didn't give it five stars. I like the movie. And Larry's like, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. He's like, but I forgive you for giving it four and a half stars. It's fine. I was like, thank you, Larry. Thank you. <laughs> He's introducing his like famous provocateur, Matt Bledsoe. He gave Jaws four and a half stars. <laughs> Oh, I really thought we were gonna make this whole podcast without the whole Jaws four and a half stars coming up. I don't know if it can ever happen again. This is gonna be it's gonna be in my tombstone now. Just oh, the... dude, dude, come on! Yeah. I forgave you for that on the podcast. Oh, I know, just, I know. Just, the joke's got to come back. I just, I do think it's funny. I'm glad it's you guys. I, 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 it's fine. It's fine that it's you guys. I know you. I just keep worrying that like James is gonna joke about it, and some random person we don't know is gonna be like. Oh, what a fucking douche. Like, coming Oh, like he that. attracts the weirdos for sure. That's so totally that's plausible. The only part that gives me, uh, gives me a little, but again, it's some random person. Anyway, I can ignore them, but it would make me mad if some rando on, uh, Twitter was like, ah, fuck this guy. Oh, you <laughs> like, know, we'd all drag that guy to kingdom come. Like, no I, oh, I know. I know. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, uh, amongst you guys, it's fine. I just think it's funny. I, uh, I, so yeah, John Wick, John Wick four, number one movie of the year, five stars. That's all I'm saying. Also, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, four and a half stars. So apparently, I think it's as good as Jaws, is what that means. I gave this movie five stars, which apparently means it's as good as Jaws. <laughs> there we are. This should be my new rating scale. I almost joked to you. I was like, it should be, my new scale should be worse than Jaws, as good as Jaws, or better than Jaws. And I just see how, how many things, uh, that's all my review should with that. Like, well, it's as good as Jaws, or it's, it's worse. It's your or... draft day, like for Adam Risky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Jaws. <laughs> It's a high bar to clear for Jaws. Um, I wonder if Adam would pick Jaws or Draft Day. I don't anyone... know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I have a weird memory for this kind of thing. Jaws was in his top five movies of all time and Draft Day wasn't. But I don't know if I don't know oh. if his mind has changed since then. Oh, OK. I did not remember that was one of his top five movies of all time. So um, I think it I guess it sounds like Jaws might be better for draft day better than draft day for him so let me let me ask you this matt okay so uh -huh. john wick 4 better than jaws are any other john wick movies better than jaws <laughs> uh I, god you know what's funny i think i rated the rest of them four and a half stars so i guess they're all as good as jaws <laughs> <laughs> and john wick 4 i guess 
buy the rating better i don't know i explained on larry's show more which i think i said before but i'm like okay listen guys that's like four and a half versus five no i almost, i know man okay know. <laughs> it's almost the same but i no personal connection to jaws it's just like a great movie that i recognize is great and but i have the whole i have the whole spiel again um i just gotta i gotta learn to live with it now i gotta stop even i just gotta embrace it like i said i'm gonna buy that t-shirt that like john wick five or john wick four perfect five stars jaws four and a half almost almost whatever it was it was like almost as good as john wick four <laughs> No, I can't fault you because I, I told you guys that if if the three of us, you, me, and James were all podcasting on The Matrix instead of Jaws, I would be in exactly your position and y'all would roast me. So I can't really <laughs> talk. Uh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. So um, maybe we'll do that podcast at some other point. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't I would feel bad it. taking that slot because so many people are obsessed with The Matrix. <laughs> so I just give it to you and you're just like ah it could be better and the people are listening like god damn it it could have been me it's not as good as point break oh man i i, I love Which point I break do believe i, <laughs> I mean I, it's funny because point break is really up there i love the matrix more but my god i love point break we that needs to be a podcast at some point i don't know why we haven't done that <laughs> like, point break or the matrix versus oh, po- point break no no just just point break <laughs> okay yeah oh man point break is my favorite straight action movie it's it's one of my favorites. And I don't I, mean straight like heterosexual because Point Break <laughs> isn't very heterosexual. I mean like uh like just pure action movie. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I uh, one day we should Point Break at some point. So <laughs> I would be um, down for sure. I don't know what's taken so long. I don't know what I was thinking. So, um, but yeah, I guess we should wrap up because I don't want my mic to go out again. So, um, <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, this was a great time. I'm so happy we both love this movie and got to talk about it because it was a uh, it was great. I I really enjoyed it. Um. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I really loved it. I can't wait to watch it again, actually. So, <laughs> Me too, man, for sure. Thank you so much for having me for this. Oh, yeah, no. Thank you for kind of putting it out there like two months ago. Because I don't know if I would have done it if you hadn't said, hey, can we do Guardians 3? I might just skip right over it. So, um, yeah, this was this was a great time. I should do more new movies on the show. So um, this was a fun time. So, well, I will let you uh, go ahead and plug all your stuff. People can follow you and what you're up to and all that. Yeah, you can follow the Cobwebs podcast on any podcast app. Um, the first Tuesday in June, on June 6th, we're going to be releasing the first episode of Master Carpenter, which is a series looking at every all the, every theatrical film directed by John Carpenter, paired with a classic movie that influenced it, kicking off with uh, Keith Rich. We're going to be talking Dark Star. And uh, yeah, see if you can guess the uh, classic movie that most influenced Dark Star. Um, and then you can also check out my YouTube channel at the Cobwebs channel. And you can follow me on Twitter at Epler Daniel or the podcast on Twitter at Cobwebs Pod. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, the podcast is back and I'm very excited for that uh, John Carpenter series, which I think I signed up for like three episodes. Of. So I'm like, I kept going back. I was like, can I do this one and this one and this? One? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was happy uh, to have you every time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited for that to start. I'm glad Keith can take is taking Dark Star because I feel like uh, initially that was one that no one jumped on. But then I feel like he's like the perfect guy to talk about that. So it worked out. I like, think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to it's going to be good. And well, great segue. Uh, speaking of Keith. The next episode of this one should be me and Keith Rich talking about vinegar syndrome. Because yes, oh my god, uh, so excited! <laughs> we did an episode like two years ago, uh, where we before the vinegar syndrome halfway to Black Friday Memorial Day sale, uh, Keith and I did like our picks. We hit like five movies each to recommend for the sale to pick up. Um, so we're basically doing the same thing again, and <laughs> we're doing that again. And I am really looking forward to it. So I, it should be a really good time. And yeah, that's it for our stuff. Uh, you can follow 
the podcast on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. Um, follow me and the podcast uh, on Instagram at Film Feast, all one word. I can follow just me on Twitter uh, at MapLet87. Um, and that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>